Welcome to episode 103 of Zapped to the Past. I am Adrian Mills and I'm joined as always by Mr. Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. Last week, we looked at our first batch of games from issue 42 of Zap 64, which we are in no way affiliated with and were demoralized by Daily Thompson's Olympic Challenge, vexed by the Vindicator and devastated by Diamond. This week, we conclude our look at the games in October 1988, along with what was lighting up our TV and cinema screens that month. To Graham, forewarned is forearmed, so prepare us for the games ahead. In this dusty old box of camping equipment that you tripped over in the loft of an episode, we run, jump, dive, and poke our way through a colourful range of larger-than-life Olympic-style events in Summer Olympiad. Explore the dreary world of a stuntman show-off in the limpy stunt bike simulator. Dive deep under the ocean looking for some fish to slap and air to breathe in the watery scuba kids. And climb atop some kind of submersible aquatic fighter ship and blast through the endless levels of Scorpius. Did you ever fall through a bathroom ceiling after tripping on a tent in the loft? My advice is don't. It really hurts and your teenage daughter will not be happy. We also grab our space bats and head into wall-breaking territory as we play the Arkanoid-ish ball blaster thrill at the fancy front end styling and intriguing presentation before being dumped on by the crappy game with the fury run around like an 8-bit pig in a poke getting all bomby and a bit underwhelmed with psycho pigs uxb try to understand the nuances of vacuum cleaner enabled pinball combat in hotshot before finally grabbing a smaller bat and some ear defenders and heading into the clunky and possibly mathematically challenging world of ricochet I haven't seen this much dull budget mediocrity since the last episode full of dull budget mediocrity. On the plus side, hmm, is there a plus side? Nothing can prepare you for them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ah. yeah, maybe. I do feel a little bit forearmed, though, and forewarned. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. It's an odd bunch this week, I think. It really is an odd, a really, really odd bunch. Yeah, a load of odd stuff this week. Yeah. Yeah, just before we uh, get into the games, I did want to mention, I forgot to mention this last week, actually, but uh, one of our amazing listeners, Deadlock, has created some, I know, an online repository of all our episodes. That's Um, cool. It is very cool. Um, We'll post a link to them um, in the show notes. Um, If you wish to follow Deadlock on Twitter, it's Deadlock. That's Deadlock, the lock part is spelt with a a zero. Um, So if you just search for Deadlock, you'll you'll probably find him with that sort of spelling. I think it's underscore air, as in the island, Uh E-I-R-E. So search that, and then you can find, um, you can look at all our episodes. Just do it. It's cool. It's uh, got listing, what's in them, and everything like that. And it's a page-by-page thing. It's it's well cool. It is very cool. Very cool indeed. Um, So thank you very much for that, Deadlock. That's amazing. It's always cool when people just do these things out of the blue. It's like, that's just so so ace. Yeah. It just, you know, always sort of takes takes me back a little bit that people are willing to put time and effort into this crazy thing we've got going on um and yeah i always find it quite you know humbling, quite humbling. Yes. humbling yeah it's amazing it's ace yeah there we go so that's cool well done deadlock 
<laughs> well done. Not to be confused <laughs> with Deadpool. No. Don't try and kill him. He won't come back. <laughs> that would be bad. And he won't, you know, won't update his things. So don't do that. Should we get some games? Because we've got lots of games. We've got lots to cover yeah, this week. Quite a few, actually. Uh, yeah, nine. Nine games again, this week. Nine again. Nine. Oh, nine. Nine. <laughs> Which nine. Some, at some point, some of them had said nine, but, you know. Lots of budget fodder this month, isn't there? Uh, it is a budget budget month, bit a yes. A bit, bit of a mishmash of uh, stuff. Budget bargains or budget bastards? We shall, well, well, we shall have to That's wait and thing. see. All right, let's get into some. Should we get into our first one? Do it. Do it. All right, let's get into our first game. And our first one, um, as we are approaching the summer, uh, clocks go yeah. forward. Clocks are forward this weekend. You know, sunny sunny nights are going to be here again and everything like that and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, Summer Olympiad is our first game this week, Graeme. Summer Olympiad. So it's time to don our best sporting clobber once again and head out into the arena as the Summer Olympiad is here. Not, Graeme, not to be confused with the Summer Olympics. No, No, sir. No, No. as we discussed last time the word Olympiad was used. Yes, I put that. It's very different. We spoke about Olympiad. When we covered the Winter Olympiad game back in episode 76, I'm not going to go over that again here. However, interestingly, for the US release, this was renamed Summer Challenge, and it was released by a company called Thunder Mountain. (laughs) It's a software house to put hairs on your chest. (laughs) Thunder Mountain. That sounds ace, doesn't it? Who's releasing your game? That's the name of the CEO. His name. (laughs) What's your name? Thunder Oh, okay. Okay, Mr. Mountain. <laughs> yeah, but he says it in ACDC style. What's your name? <laughs> Thunder. <laughs> Who keeps doing that? Thunder. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I'll get you, Angus. Um, anyway, over here, this is Summer Olympiad released by Tynesoft. Not nearly as cool, really. Fog on the Tynesoft. <laughs> Indeed. It's for nine ninety five. It was coded by Ian Davison and Michael Headley. It's got graphics by Michael J. Landreth and music by Ian Crabtree and Wally Bebben. Um, this follows your standard template for these kind of multi-event sporting affairs with up to six players working their way through the various events to see who comes out on top at the end. This game has five events for you to play through, and they are skeet shooting, fencing, triple jump, diving, and hurdles. So a strange bunch, an eclectic bunch, but anyway. One might say, yes. Yeah. When the game loads, you enter the names of who is playing, and you pick their country uh, to represent, and you've got 14 available. You've got UK, USA, West Germany, shows its age. Australia, Italy, the USSR, again, showing its age. Canada, Austria, Spain, France, Netherlands, Japan, Sweden, or New Zealand. Those are your choices. You can pick no others. That's all there is. Once that is done, you get to pick your events from the six television screens. Did we have was it this menu system in Winter Olympiad as well? I seem to mm, I seem to remember about. something similar to this. So you've got like the screen is like six TVs on it, and you move a cursor over them and you just there click was on another them. game. There was another game that did it. it. Was a Gremlin game, I think. Was it one of the sort of alternative world games or something, or one yeah, of those kind something of crazy like that? Crap. The stupid video screens, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was really. This is a bit more user friendly. It works. <laughs> this this works. Yeah, the other one was not didn't work. Um, so each screen has one of the events. Um, and one of them is for the opening ceremonies. You've got six screens. You should pick them all if you want. You don't have to pick them all. Um, so if you just have a particular favorite, you can just choose that one. I quite like this menu method. I quite liked it. I thought it was kind of, it worked. It was all right. As it, yeah, feels, it, all right. it feels intuitive and it, it kind of encompasses that playing one, some, or all of them into a simple one screen interface. 
So, you know, you don't have to pick. You can choose a pick and choose you want. So that's cool. Once picked, you can start the games by pressing the button at the bottom. So it comes up to start and you press that. You then get an odd menu choice um, where load the next event or retry the previous one alternates. This is there's lots that, of could, the, that you, can cause anger. <laughs> it, it did because I pressed retry. And so it takes, if you don't do that here, don't press retry uh, when you've just oh. selected your country and put your names in. Because what it does is it takes you back to the beginning of all that. So you have to put your names in and pick the countries again yeah. and which ones. Stupid. I don't know why that's here. It's just, I think it's because it's on all the other menus and they've just used one template for the lot of them. But it really doesn't work here. Anyway, don't do that. Just press load the next game. Um, yeah, just do that. Anyway, yeah, should you watch the opening ceremonies? Um, you get to watch some balloons float by. Yeah, it's not the uh, most elaborate, <laughs> expensive of opening ceremonies. I did laugh like at those balloons coming across, like, oh, that's it. So, someone, uh, someone hadn't planned an event before, had they? That's, that's, that's a magnitude. That's a, that's a proper eighties Britain opening ceremonies <laughs> balloons. <laughs> <laughs> bought from Athena. It was, it was, wasn't it? Just a pack of 20 balloons. And they, they weren't even like inflated properly as well. No, just... They just kind of floated past her. Yeah, then got a, the wind. There's some guy just enters the arena. He lights the flame and a blimp flies past. Yeah, well, you don't see him light the flame, do you? He just runs off. No, no, you don't. You don't. He just runs off to the bottom of the screen. But you, it, on a very straight track, according to the uh, video yeah. the video thing. Yeah, a little video. It's all very, but it's, you know, it's all very invigorating, I guess. It, it looks okay. A video screen close with the man running. The flame effect's okay. There's some okay music. It's all right. It's not, it's okay. It does the job. Uh, so once you've had your fill of this, you can proceed to the first event. And I'm going to go through them in the order I got them. First up was skeet shooting. So this takes place on like an open field and you have a view from behind your shooter. So you're like a guy just shot, there's uh, two launchers sta- uh, stand on either side of the field and you have a free moving crosshair that you control. Skeets are launched into the air from either side and you have to move your crosshair over them and shoot them as they fly. So this isn't like the hypersports method of skeet shooting where you're just moving up and down, you just got to press fire. You've actually got to guide your crosshair and get in the way and press fire at the right time. This is much more free form. Um, okay. There are seven shooting points and they form a semicircle around the field and you shoot at either two. So they'll come, one will come from both sides or sometimes you get four skeets. So you'll get one from one side, one from the other, and then one from both at the same time. And you, you know, it's quite tricky to try and get all of those. So you do this seven times, you get points for hitting them. And once you've fired from the last vantage point, they kind of have a, they go around in a semicircle. So you've got a different view with each, uh, each vantage point. The round is over and your score is displayed. It's fairly simple. There's not too much in the way of mechanics. You move across eight, you shoot the skeets. That's it. You do that repeatedly. Um, I got 11 for this. That was my score for this, which I wasn't too bad, I thought, for a couple of goes. Um, next up was the fencing. Uh, this is viewed from an isometric viewpoint. Uh, so sort of top, I suppose looking down from the top behind and to the right, I guess. You're looking down, they move. Okay. So, uh, yes, yeah, so you're moving up and down. So the fence is moving up and down from the bottom left to the top right. Controls are simple enough. Um, up and down, move your fence uh, towards or away from your opponent. Um, left does a riposte. Right does a parade. And the fire button does a sally out. I don't know what those mean. I know what a riposte is, but I've never heard the term sally out before. Bruce Dickinson knows what they mean. That's all we need to know. <laughs> sally out! <laughs> That's what it's... That's a... <laughs> he's an Olympic fencer as well as I know he is, but he's got to say it in that voice, he does, isn't he? He? Does, he doesn't sing it, does he? Sally out! He keeps the two very exclusive. Iron Maiden does not enter into his fencing and fencing, as far as I'm aware, has never really entered into his Iron Maiden career. So, do you think um, that's what "Be Quick or Be Dead" was about? It's a fencing song. No, it's about uh, getting off the toilet in the morning because his dad was a world, <laughs> world angry guy. It's a whole other story. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, yeah, okay. Um, and then it's run for the hills, I guess. So yeah, sally out is a jab at your opponent's chest. That's how you score a point. You have to do the sally out to, to actually score a point. The aim here is to be the first to land five clean hits on your opponent's chest and be deemed the winner. I won my go. I was quite proud of myself. Uh, next up is the triple jump. This is God. So you see it first from afar. Um, it's like a side-on view, and our jumper comes up to the run-up, sort of jogs on from the left and stops at the uh, the run-up part. Jogs. Okay, saunas. A stab at the fire button, and we once again see things from an isometric view with our runner going up to the top right. Here we have to waggle to build up speed and then hold the fire button for our hop trajectory, or you know, and then press fire for the skip and the jump part. It's fairly self-explanatory, and I got 18.8 meters. Quite good. Uh, next up is diving. You see this from the side. We have a fairly lengthy man standing atop the diving board. He's a very lengthy man. So, he is quite tall. He is very tall. He's very lengthy. So you move, you launch yourself by uh, moving the joystick left or right. That launches the diver forward with either a forward dive or a backward tuck dive. Um, and as you plummet to the water, you've got to do as many moves as you can. Left or right does a tucked roll. Fire and left or right spins the uh, spins the diver 360 degrees. So he just spins vertically. I don't know how to describe it really. He just sort of spins around. If you do up, you do a backward somersault and down does a header, which always made me laugh. It just sort of goes, Ugh! sort of bends in the middle, <laughs> which made me chuckle. It uh, you need to do as many of these as you can and enter the water cleanly to get a good score from the judges. I got 31.2. I don't know if that's good or not. Seems okay. I got threes and threes and stuff like that from the most of the judges. Uh, finally we have the hurdles this is another waggler seen from the side with a slightly 3d tint like entombed i guess that kind of thing you've got four lanes you've got four track track lanes Uh, you've got a waggle against three of the runners and tap the fire button at the right time to leap over the hurdles non-pressing or at the wrong time we'll see you hit the hurdles and slow down um i got 5.85 and came third i don't know what that meant that's what i got but that's it really at this point, the game refused to do anything more for me, so I had to quit out and reload. Um, so I don't know if it crashed or something. It just sat there. I don't know whether it was a thing of the crack. I don't know if it's a nope, thing, but... That's what it does. Is that what it does? just ends. You've done. You've finished. Now reload. did Winter Olympiad do the same thing, as I recall? It might well have done. Yeah, I don't know. I've kind of forgotten all about that game. I mean, aside from that, I thought this was okay, actually. The visuals are nice, big and bold, with some unusual viewpoints on the events and some nice touches throughout. I quite like the, like the cameraman following the action on the fencing and stuff like that. There's some nice little touches throughout. The music is good. Mm. It's not amazing, but it's not annoying. and it does its job before and, each, and after each event, and the sound effects are okay throughout. The best thing, though, about this, I thought, is that it's very approachable. We've said that the recent Epics games have lost that pick-up-and-play approach that the early entries in the game series had, and while it's not as good as those early classics, this has picked up that baton and ran with it, if you pardon the pun. Yes, there are a couple of waggle events, but the waggle needed is, is pretty generous. It's not that hard. Unlike Daley Thompson's Olympic Challenge from last week, which, you know, was ridiculously, stupidly hard. But here, Very. the waggle was, is actually quite forgiving. You've, you've not got a waggle that hard. Like, I was up to full speed in on the uh, triple jump and stuff with no time. It's just, oh, I'm full speed. That's kind of crazy. And the controls for the others are simple and easy to understand. And the ability to retry any event, because at the end of every event, you can proceed to the next one or retry that one. So that's quite nice. You can just keep retrying that one if you like it. As you progress, it allows you to keep trying and getting better at them as you play them. Does the simplicity affect the depth of the game? Maybe. But I always thought these games were always designed as party games, I think. And having anyone be able to pick up the controller and be able to record a decent attempt quickly, I think is far more important to this kind of game than having to try over and over and over again just to record a score because of the overly complex control system. I'm thinking of the half pipe in California games or things like that, which are just, you know, or some some of those having to plan out your bloody routine in the figure skating in games winter edition and stuff. It's just overly complex. Here you're in, it's like four controls, you do it. Oh, yeah, done. 
and it, but then you can retry and play them and stuff like that. It's a bit light on events. There's only five. A couple more would have been good to see. But what is here, I thought, was a solid attempt at this style of game. It's better than Winter Olympiad, I seem to remember. I like this. I found myself going through the events a few times to try and get better scores, uh, which is something I can't say about those recent Epics titles. There's some nice presentation. It flows quite well. The games look all look nice. It sounds good. And there's, like I said, it's an easy in on all of them. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. But I imagine with a few more players in multiplayer, this would have been all right. I think you'd have got your money's worth out of this. It's tenor. Five events? Yeah, it's all right. I quite like this. What about you? As soon as I heard the music, I recognised it. It's got that... And it made me remember that we'd actually played this many moons ago at my house. Um, as soon as I saw the menu and it had that FLD bouncy intro thing, it's like, ah, I remember it now. It all came back to me. Strange, that. Nice opening. Floaty balloons. That's weird. We played this, did we? I don't, I don't We did, it. yeah. Way back in the day, yeah. We ah, did, cool. yeah. As soon as I heard the music and saw the menu screen where it has that sort of bouncy effect where it bounces on and off, I, I was like, I recognise oh, yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, opening ceremony, such as it was, you know, balloons, um, <laughs> spent skeet no, shooting. We spared no expense. There was no expense spent, was there? <laughs> um, uh, skeet shooting, nice big graphics, easy to read screen, pace was nice, was a bit more difficult than it looked, but it was quite good fun, something a bit different, and it felt like you got through it nice and speedily. I got 14 on that. Oh, well done. Um, fencing, I think this is one of the best events in the whole thing. Nearly nice background details. Look like an audience for once. Yeah, all the, all of them do, I think. There's some nice um, background stuff. S- some not as good as others. Cameraman following was a nice little thing in that one. This one felt like it had the most attention on it. Moves were simple, but really good. Sometimes it felt a little bit awkward. Um, like you were, if you got too close to each other, it just felt like you were just sort of, you know, parrying and wobbling <laughs> you your swords around. You couldn't jab at each other. Ja, ja, yeah. ja, ja. Um, but it worked. It looked the part, and there were some decent animations in there. Good event that um, I beat the guy. Then my only complaint with that was it was ridiculously easy. Um, mm. Triple jump, nice backgrounds, a bit smaller, like you said initially. Good view of the jump. Um, although it felt when you got to the sort of closer in view, it, the whole thing felt a bit floaty and not as thumpy as it needed to be. You didn't feel yeah, like yeah. planting your feet. The jump angle was quite hard to get, but all right, these that's what these games bit practice would do. That uh, it just felt a bit completely silent. That one. Some of this game suffers with that a bit, so it sort of loses a little bit of the atmosphere of being in a stadium when everyone's just stone cold silent. Like, well, oh. everyone's, everyone's holding their breath for the jump. I that's think, why I think. Yeah. Um, so that made it feel a little bit weird, considering how much music and sound there is everywhere else. It just seems odd that there isn't that usual kind of noise sound for a crowd or something. And the preamble was a little bit long on that. So with the sort of walking up the thing and doing all that, you could sort of almost you're almost pressing the button wanting to skip. I got nineteen point five in that. Ooh, um, check just you didn't out. find that event very exciting. High dive, uh, nice opening. I thought on that. The background of the diving area looked good. Yes. Um, bit of a long preamble again, but all right, we'll go with it. And this is mainly just because it comes on with the event name and then it was the floaty letters, which was oh, a problem could, yeah. with the Winter Olympiad. You, you've got that on every one, aren't you? Some yeah. of them have a little bit of extra stuff as well, like this one does. Bit massive diving sprite. I mean, goodness me, he was a whopper, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, bit jerky, the animation in it, but it sort of works. And he's, you know, I mean, considering you're sort of bending that guy left, right and centre and up in the middle and he's like, very bendy. Uh, the moves felt a little bit arbitrary though. Um, but you sort of just go, and hope that you're pointing downwards when you get to the bottom. <laughs> Um, and again, the lack of sound made it a little bit unexciting. Splashing when you hit the water would have been a decent thing to do on that, wouldn't it? And a few things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I uh, didn't write my score down for that, but I've got threes and fours, I think, for my top F for that. Mm, so whatever good. that would be. Um, and the hurdles, I thought this was the weakest event in it. Um, it just it wasn't very exciting. Four runners. It wasn't immediately clear which one you were, which was a bit weird. Not straight away. So you're looking at it going, which one am I? Because it's, like, it's, it's quite fast, this one, when it goes. It's like, race, go! And you, oh, uh, yeah. um, waggle, waggle, <laughs> jump, jump. Which one's jump? Which one am I? Uh, yeah. so it's, it's a panic. 
Um, mm-hmm. Graphics were okay, but the animations felt a little bit limited, uh, but it did feel short and over with quickly. It's like, no, 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 done. Oh, okay. <laughs> that yes. was that then. <laughs> yeah, 110 um, meters. And then it just ended with the final medal table. It just went, hey, well done, end. It stopped. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Well, I've got goals, I suppose. So I can, you know, good. It's all right. This, it's better than most of the recent efforts. It's back to that kind of, exactly as you describe. They're playable, that you can get into them. They don't really require that much skill. But that said, you know, two or three players with this, you'd be having a bit of a laugh. It's always the same thing. You probably, because well, you can pick the events, you're going to pick the dive in, you're going to pick fence in. And that's great because you can avoid the crappy ones that you don't like. The skit shooting was pretty good, but you're not going to want to do a lot of, you know, hurdles with your mates, are you? You probably um, avoid the waggle ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, so, but you've still got the option to sort of do that and just have a real blast with it and a laugh. And it's just a little, you know, a little uh, challenge to get the goal game. I thought it was quite good. It's about 87% was probably about right. I think. You, as you've said, I think what it's missing is it could have done with just a couple more really good events. So I'll, I'll take out the crappy ones and just put one or two more really good ones in. Mm. A cycling event wouldn't have been a miss in something like this or something yeah. that felt a little bit more, no, just, I don't know, just some, just something. But, but I suppose a lot of these have been done. But um, yeah. anyway, that said, I enjoyed my time with it and I went right through the whole thing. Quite enjoyed, quite enjoyed it. It keeps itself at a decent pace because of those shorter ones though. So it sort of offsets the sort of slower ones, but um, I liked it. Go play it. Go and give it a go. Worth a shot. It is, yeah. It's fun. It's a nice throwback to the sort of early, the early epic stuff. Not like I say, it's not as good as those, but well, it's like Epic's Grande, isn't it? Because all everything's like Epic's but bigger. And it's sort of, I mean, it's sort of the sprites of it. It's like you know, it's like if you've gone to the shop and ordered a Venti Epic's game, you'd get this. <laughs> it's Epic Epics. It is, yeah. So it's just it's massive. I don't know why my voice went like that. Then I don't, I don't know either. I was trying to I was trying to ignore it. Too much <laughs> too much Olympiad. So. <laughs> Not yeah, enough yeah, Olympics. Go play the game. It's very good. It is good. Yeah, it's all right. It's quite a laugh. There we go. So we're Olympiad. We like that one. It's all right. Let's move on to our next one. There's a lot of S's in this section. In fact, I didn't actually realise, but our first fall begin with S. Uh, let's move on to our next one. And Graham, what's it like to be on a you know, in a stunt bike simulator? What's it like? Well. Have you ever played a game where you were somebody called Chad Adams? Because you have now. I have now, yeah. Um, you are sure Chad Adams, ace stuntman. Um, I think they missed a trick with this, and I'll come back to what that is in a minute. But anyway, in order to show the rest of the stuntmen, this did make me laugh that like, this, all the stuntmen need to be shown. <laughs> You're no stuntman. I'll show you how good I am. Um, in order to show the rest of the stuntmen how good you are, you have set yourself a number of tasks. Swoop down from your hang glider to your bike. Jump logs. Speed through the fire hoop, catch a drive into the lorry, then clamber up your helicopter and away. The re- the best in the business. That's what that game of the game is. That's it. Mm-hmm. So there's the the mighty five tasks of this game you have to do. Now, I have to be honest here. I didn't get past task one, but um, I've got some information about the others. Um, so we could sort of go through that. I did bit. get to task three. Well, you've done better than I did. So this game was from Silverbird. Silverbird, our friends at Silverbird. Probe mm. Software, believe it or not, did this. Developed, created by W.R. Bury. He also did something called Hopper Copper, which looked to me like a very odd game. It was Hopper a Copper. Pl- Hopper really? Copper. It was a, pl- it was a policeman on a space opera. That was the what it looked to me. And the music musician here is Guilio Zicci. He's done loads of games that I've never heard of. Games you might remember, like Armadillo, Zone Z, and Sweep. <laughs> you remember them? 
<laughs> the strange thing is, right, they were all in 1987, all those games. So, And I don't remember playing any of them. No, I don't. Maybe they're just mm-hmm. European stuff. Health for well, sweep. Loads of them there is. There's not a great deal to this game, has to be said. You're going to get to the beginning part of the stupid thing, and then you're going to want you're going to start the game. The idea of the game is to get through, you've got to get through those five tasks. So the game will start, and you'll see the Fancy Pants logo at the top of the screen, Stunt Bike Simulator in drawing font mode. I don't know what <laughs> someone's drawn it. Um, it's weird. It just, it's just a bit weird the way it's all presented this. Um, you've got three options there, haven't you? Pause, music and sound effects on so you can sort of, you know, combine those and then you press fire to begin your, your journey into the tasks. You won't enjoy these tasks. I'll say that now. The graphics are really odd in this game. Mm-hmm. So you've got the top part of the screen is both the logo and your sort of, I guess you call it a UI, but it's just num- numbers and text really. So you score your level score, you know, and your attempt number and things like that. The first task, you've got to try and control the motorbike so you can land somebody who's on a hang glider on it. I don't know. I just, I could, I mean, I was flying along in the motorbike. The, the screen scrolls from right to left with your motorbike traveling from right to left. Mm-hmm. So I suppose technically the screen scrolls from left to right. Anyway, you're traveling to the left and you zoom yes. along and, and there's a road at the bottom of the screen. And then there's like a sort of a, you know, imagine a, a, in the level one, there's like a, a desert scene as I remember it with cactuses and really big cactuses, but cactuses. And you're racing along as you, your game starts, then you push to the left and your, your motorbike will speed up. And as you <laughs> speed up, it'll go more towards the left of the screen. Above your motorbike is you, presumably, on your um, hand glider. And there are road cones that will sort of stop your motorbike and stop it in its tracks and slow it down. So you've got to try and navigate through those, get underneath your hand glider pile, and then you press the fire button and he'll drop down. And then if all goes according to plan, then he'll land on the motorbike. That's if it goes according to plan. It didn't for me. Um, I didn't, I didn't, yeah, even Zap saying the review, it's next to impossible to do it because it's got to be pixel perfect. I found that combined with a really awful collision detection. So I was hitting road cones and I was nowhere near them. You hit them with the top of your bike. It's so stupid. Yeah, exactly. Ridiculous. So I found that, it just, I found it quite frustrating to play in that way. Um, so I didn't get to uh, any of the other levels, although I've, from what I've seen and what I've read and what I looked at on the YouTube, the old tube of you, um, they all play out similarly, albeit that you are, um, you got to get onto a truck in one of them. I think there's, I think you've got to jump over. I don't know. I didn't see the levels, but I think you've got to do, they essentially still scroll from right to left or so you, you travel from right to left. Mm-hmm. And you then have to partake in the varying tasks. The tasks as the instructions say them. So hang glider drop, Long jumping, avoid the oncoming logs by bunny hopping them or driving your bike around them. Um, fire hoop jumping, which sounds a bit like bunny hopping, but you don't, you sort of, you got to hoop, jump through the hoops. Lorry catching. And then task five is helicopter hanging. You must jump from the bike and grab onto, uh, grab onto the hanger, which is suspended from the helicopter. Um, the graphics in this game are a little basic. Um, <laughs> they're not very exciting. Um, I think the motorbike actually is all right. The motorbike and the road part, for a one ninety nine game, they do look like a motorbike. I'm just thinking, if they'd have stuck to you being on the motorbike doing stunts, as opposed to you trying to land on the bike at the start, I think if they'd have, you could have built up to that, that feels like something you should probably have done later in the levels and start off the levels by jumping over hoops and logs and things like that to get used to used controlling the bike. Um, yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't feel it feels like the levels are out of order, and that's I found it disappointing because I, I sort of wanted to get to the other things to see what they were like, um, but I just don't. 
think this has got any real sort of longevity in it. Um, it's not very exciting. It's just you know, one thing after another, very similar, very samey. I said graphics are okay on the motorbike and the sort of player. There's not a massive amount of animation and the hazards just are just, you know, if they're not cones, they're just things in the way. I found them very difficult to avoid because of that collision problem. And all in all, I found this quite the frustrating experience that gave it 40%. Um, I would say that's probably, in all fairness, for a budget game of this type, 40%. It's about right, really. I didn't get a lot from it. I am no Chad Adams, I can tell you that. Um, more like a Wednesday Adams, I think, or a, a Grizzly Adams maybe, but not Chad. <laughs> so I thought uh, 40% about right. I wouldn't have been happy if I'd have paid for it, but if someone gave me it as a present, I'd probably be okay with them for a while. How about you? Not if you got past that first stage, you wouldn't. Oh, this is stupidly bad. It's stupidly bad. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that first one. This is a series of NAF physics-defying games where you do stuff on a bike for what well, I could, uh, you know, okay. You're trying to impress other stuntmen. There's little in the way of cause and effect here. I got to the fire hoops. Um, so if you get uh, if you get to pass that hang gliding one, which I managed to get past after the stupid collision detection, but I didn't manage to do it. You get to the bunny hop one. What's a bunny hop? Do you know what a bunny hop is? It's a, where you jump up, isn't it? You take both wheels off the floor. I don't know, is it? I'm, yeah, that's I a bunny so. hop. It's where you go, doof, you sort of lift the whole bike up and do a jump. What a bunny hop is not is pull a wheelie and then do a back wheelie. Because <laughs> that's a back wheelie. As in where you're up on your front front wheel. No, that's not a, that's not a No, so this is how you've got to get over these logs. And you don't even have to do that either because you just ride through them. It's mm. stupid. So basically what you've got to do, you go from right to left. And you pull a wheelie as you approach the log. These logs are diagonal across the road. And then as your front wheel goes over it, you then have to pull down and fire, I think. And then that puts the front wheel down and the back wheel up. So you kind of go up going, you know, trying to keep it stupid. Then you get to the fire hoops. And these fire hoops are suspended in the air. And you have to go really fast and you have to sort of dive through them. But the way you dive through them, you leap magnificently from your bike. And you're almost like Superman. You're in the air for that long. It's crazy. It's so stupid. And then, I don't know, it just said, you know, you haven't, you haven't done anything. There's no feeling that you're going through fire hoops. It's just it's just really, really bad. There's nothing to this. The visuals are budget. The sound's budget. The gameplay's ultra budget because there's no gameplay here, barely non-existent. I didn't think this was a good thing, no matter which way you look at it. It's, just, it's not a simulation of riding a stunt bike, is it? Stop putting the name simulator on the back of everything. It's just not. <laughs> no, no, no simulation it's not. it's not and i didn't like this i thought 40 percent was generous um having got to those later stages or the next two i was like no i would not want to go back to this and like ugh, it was just a bad bad thing i thought i really didn't like this but i could see if you're thinking oh the rest might be all right it's not that hang glider one is probably the best one no it figures and i think my point earlier was that had they made this more comedic so had they made yeah. him fly off and you know a bit like that um, what was that film where there's the stuntman and he's oh you think in um, Hot Rod yeah so if you if this game was like Hot Rod so if it had that kind of humour <laughs> in it so so you, yeah. you're the aim of the game was to become the super stuntman and show off but you you know you had to try and pull off crazy stunts that would be more akin to a stunt bike simulator yeah. not this though not and this. a stunt bike simulator I was expecting to do jumps over cars and yeah you know, things Reeve like Knievel that Evil stuff yeah, yeah exactly same. but not this nonsense I mean, Kickstarts better at that. And this is, and that's not even a game called Stunt Bike Simulator, is it? it so It's anyway. not, no, no, this was not good. Eddie Kid, it ain't. This is certainly not Cool Beans, I can say cool that. Cool Beans. It's not. Cool, cool, cool Beans. There we go, Stunt Bike Simulator, our second S game, and we didn't like that one. Let's move on to our third S game of the week. And that one is Scuba Kids. With a Z at the end. Get down with the kids. Scuba kids. Okay, another budget one. This is two quid. It's another week. 
and it's more budget stuff from Silverbird. It just keeps on coming. And obviously, can't be stopped. Cannot be stopped. This Scuba Kids, coded and drawn by Andrew Betts, and with music by Wally Bebben again. Wally Bebben makes his second entry of the week. According to the instructions in this, one of the evil sea lords has kidnapped some of the kids with Z and is holding them in an undersea chamber. As the best swimmer, you have been asked to save them. Swim through eight reefs, unlocking the Sea Lord's doors and fighting the fish with your bubble gun. Be careful, as some routes you may take will leave you high and dry. I, I, why? <laughs> Evil Sea Lord? Why has he got doors in his reefs? Stupid. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Just if, But also as well, some routes may t- will see you high and dry. No, they don't. They leave you low and wet because they trap you. You know, high and dry is good. It means you breathe anyway. Yeah. Essentially, okay, so this is essentially a side-on kind of bi-directional scroller, I guess. Although you you want to be traveling to the right, but you can go back on yourself. So it scrolls left and right, but you want to be traveling to the right. Uh, that has you swimming through a series of levels to make it through to the next one. It's pretty simple. Each level starts with you swimming in from the left. Uh, there's not much of a title screen to this. You just go, and then you are left to make it through on your own. As you progress, you need to keep an eye on your air meter, which slowly depletes as you stay underwater. Should this run out, then you explode. <laughs> Like wow, which seems an odd thing to Just do when like dra- real world. <laughs> it seems an odd thing to do when drowning, but there you go. You know, all those people who drowned. He's like, oh, how do we know? He, how do you know he drowned? Well, he was in pieces, legs and arms exploded, everywhere. Yeah, Just exploded. Everywhere. Um, okay, uh, the way through to the end of each level can be tricky. There are dead ends aplenty, and evil fish waiting to sap you of your air. So you need to be careful as you progress. There are a few. There are quite a few items you can pick up to help you though. Um, and these are an air tank, which allows you to stay underwater for longer, or they fill your air supply if you already have one. There's the bubble gun, which allows you to shoot bubbles to destroy the evil fish. There's a double bubble, which allows you to shoot faster. There's a bubble up and down, which fires bubbles up and down. Uh, there's a cunning disguise, which make you, makes you look like a fish or a monster or something, and stops the fish from attacking for a short period. And there are fast flippers, which allow you to swim faster. And there are finally keys to pick up, which you need to unlock the doors in the Sea Lord's reefs, <laughs> for, for whatever reason, there are doors there that, that these allow mm. you to progress through the environment. Some of the environments can be destroyed with the bubble gun, and you will need to figure out which bits in order to progress. At the end of each level, you are set upon by a shark, <laughs> which you need to avoid and destroy with your bubble gun. Should it touch you, it's game over. You're in bits again. It's game over. You only mm. get one life, yeah. and so it's back to the beginning with you. If you get if you get done by the shark, the shark gets faster with each end of level as well. It gets more and more tricky to destroy. It comes swimming at you. Okay. And that's it. Yeah, so that's a bit harsh for bonus stage. There you go. So that, and that's about it. That's what you do. So you've just got these sort of more, more levels as you go along. They get a bit more complicated. You get more power-ups. There's more fish to shoot. But essentially, you're just moving left to right, shooting fish, trying to work out the way through. Like I said, if you run out of air, so you don't want to be going down dead ends because you run out of air and then you explode. Uh, whatever the visuals are they're, they're nice enough for a budget game they're okay they're quite bright a little bit strange in their color choices some of the reefs are a bit garish should we say but the fish look like fish i guess everything moves at a decent pace that didn't notice much in the way of slowdown you can shoot quite fast you shoot your bubble gun there's you can swim quite pacely it's all right the exploring and blasting is fun enough i thought the challenge will keep you going for a while there's eight levels to try and work your way through once you've once you know where to go it's it, i don't think you're going to do this but to 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 get it all through, you'll be playing this for a little bit. It's perfectly acceptable budget fodder for a Sunday afternoon, I thought, this. If we, you know, if we go back to our old terminology. The music by Wally Bebman is pretty good. The sea effect's quite nice. It sort of moves up and down, you know, like a sea would do from the side-on effect. So it's okay. The music adds pace to the levels. The whole thing, I thought, you know, hangs together pretty well. It's not going to set your world on fire. 
we've played others like this recently. There's that other crap underwater one where you were the submarine, sub submarine or subnautical or sub something or other one. I can't remember. God knows. Um, but it was rubbish. I remember that. But I thought this was a competent two pound blaster for what it is. You are, it is a side scrolling shooter, but you can go back and left to right, and you're trying to explore these underwater caverns or whatever. And it's all very, you know, it's one screen, it's just left to right. But it's got a bit of an original hook to it, an original bit of a. It's a nice look. It's okay. It's all right. It's not bad. It got what did it get? It got sixty six percent. I'd be happy with about that. I think it's okay. I've no, I've no problem with this. Scuba kids, it's all right. What did you think? Do you think it's okay by any chance? Because <laughs> you've said it like twenty times. <laughs> I know. I don't know what else to say it's about okay. it. It's okay. It's okay. I think it's, it's okay. It's okay. I think it's okay. It's okay. It's all right. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it's a bit of an odd curio. This, isn't it? It's okay. Bit of an odd curio. <laughs> really weird soundtrack. I like it, but it's weird. There's no way around that. Mm. Weird. It starts off nice and you know, you know, ding, do, 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 do. And you get the nice do, 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 do. You think, oh, it's kind of ocean. It goes, what the hell's that noise? And it goes, it's really weird samples in that. Really, really strange. I like it, but it's very strange. Um, nice graphics, good code base, uses the top and bottom border in the game, doesn't it? Quite nice. Nice idea, that. Mm-hmm. Simple, if slightly flawed design. Similar in nature, actually, to that good old Durell game, Scuba Dive. And that was 1983 on the Spectrum. There was a 64 port of that. Um, I, don't remember, I don't remember that. But yeah, Scuba Dive was a good little game. You have to, you had to, he was a diver and you had to dive down and collect treasure from, and the deeper you went, the more monsters and things you found. Pretty cool. Pretty cool mm-hmm. back in the day, that. Played that back on a Spectrum 16K, I think, maybe even. Anyway, long, long time ago. Um, anyway, this, this plays all right, but it is just a bit of a kind of a dull, watery shooter, isn't it? It's just samey. Yeah. This odd logic choices, though, you know, just, I want to shoot spear gun if I'm underwater. I don't want to shoot bubbles. Spear gun. If I'm old enough to have a scuba diving suit on and that, I can have a spear gun. Um, it does feel underwatery, but there's really odd colour choices. But, you know, maybe underwater is oddly coloured. We don't know. We don't know. Well, no, we do. But, we don't. I don't. I don't go underwater a lot. I don't like scuba diving. Well, cor- corals like are c- quite weird colours, aren't they? They're all can be. bright, bright yeah, coloured. Can be. Yeah, if they're not you know, dead from all the pollution. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Main issue for me here was just that single life, because it makes the game quite hard. Yes. Um, you could top up your air, but one life exploration of a game like this with, you know, random little air things, and your air soon runs out. It's all right for a budget game, isn't it? Two quid. I'd have been happy with it. I think I had this, actually, and I didn't pay two quid for it, which is terrible, isn't it? Poor yeah. Andy Betts, he's probably sat there two pounds short of something he really needs right now going, <laughs> I knew it. It might be, yeah. Do you know what it did remind me of, though? It's the underwater, and I know it's it's not the same, but it's the underwater levels in some of the Mario games. Yeah, it's got that vibe. It's got that vibe. It does feel like it's underwater. I'll give it its due. Yeah. And um, the other thing I'd say, didn't Andrew Betts, who did this, didn't he have something to do with uh, Proteus? and? and... Uh, he did Warhawk. Warhawk, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Warhawk, yeah. Warhawk. And Eyeball, and Eyeball too. And there you go. So um, it does feel less under, it does feel underwatery. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> God's sake. <laughs> I remember it for that music. I rem- the weird music really stuck with me. As soon as I loaded it, I was looking forward to hearing those weird sounds again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know what sounds they are that generated that. It's that weird. Okay. I don't know what devices used to make them noises. Who knows? Who knows? All right, here we go. Scuba Kids. It's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's watery. It's watery. It's a watery it looks like it's watery. It's a watery game. There we go. That's uh, Scuba Kids. Let's move on. We've got one more this half, and it's another S game. Let's get into it. Graham, Scorpius. Tell us all about Scorpius. Scorpius is a, a Silverbird game. Bloody hell, they're on a roll, aren't they? 
I know, it's triple silver bills. They're only allowed to release games that start with the letter S as well, by the look of it. <laughs> I think so. Um, this is one ninety nine, it's a Silverbird game. 71% in Zap. Um, developed was uh, developer was Daisy Soft, apparently. They did skateboard joust. <laughs> skateboard joust. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, coded by Delvin J. Sorrell, or Sorrell. He yeah. did Super Robin Hood. Another game, how have we not come across that? Super Robin Hood. I don't know. We're going to have to. I was. We're going to have to go back at some point, and I think we're going to have to sort of investigate some of these that Zap. Yeah. Didn't the games didn't that Zap forgot? Yeah. Super Robin Hood, and also Michael Smale. Some of the coding and the graphics: John Rowland, Stephen Holland, Steve Rowlands, um, and the title screen was Steve Hall. The musician was Steve Rowlands and John Rowlands. There's the, the whole Rowlands gang in this. Uh, they did creatures and retrograde music, by the way. So interesting that. Um, so this is a shoot 'em up, isn't it? And uh, the Planet LRV one one six eight is. Registering high levels of toxic gases released by underwater tunnels. LRV what? There? LRV one one six eight. Okay, so it's not the alien planet. Then. No, that's LV four twenty six, isn't it? Oh yeah. Have I been uh, where? Have I been there? Probably. Well, if it's got toxic gases releasing <laughs> underwater tunnels, I'm pretty sure you have been. <laughs> you and a friend mount your aqua gliders and go and investigate. Problem is, there is a large beast in the depths who doesn't like strangers going through its tunnels, so he has sent minions to get you. That's the story mm. of the game. That is it. That's it. That's all there is. That's all she wrote. Exciting, isn't it? That. Mm-hmm. So this is a competent, if somewhat rote, side-scrolling shoot 'em up. It lacks some of the polish that others have. I felt it does have some nice backgrounds and some decent sprites, although the scrolling is a tad jerky. It has kind of a weird three D effect, but that's sort of all you can really say about the sort of the way that that plays out. Mm. So you get a sort of a, a reasonably elaborate title screen. I didn't realise when when I mean I kind of just shot past this. And sort of got into the game because you go past the sort of the title screen is not much of a giveaway. It's quite a nice typeface. Yeah, um, it's not much of a giveaway. It's got like the Scorpius writing at the top, and then you've got sort of produced by all the kind of credits, in, the game credits. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of sort of shot past that really. So because I think you can play it one, two player, and I think you can play it simultaneously as well, can't you? This. So I think so. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I just sort of shot past that because I thought it's just shooting up. I'm going to get straight into it. And I didn't realize it until I'd sort of read a bit more about it that I was actually on some kind of aqua scooter thing. I thought just thought it was a guy on a, like a wobbly motorbike type <laughs> a wobbly spaceship. Egg, a wobbly egg. Yeah. A wobbly, <laughs> just on a, on a wobbly like egg thing. Yeah. This game is a very, very, you know, quite, these are the adventures of Brown, aren't they? And oh, that first level. Yeah. First level is very Brown and it's endless because the levels of this game go on forever. Yes, they do. Like, goodness me! I mean, I know where uh, one of our patrons has done a long play of it. It's like it's, it's hours. It must be hours. Like it must have taken him hours to get through that. <laughs> Bloody endless they are. So the graphics are a bit odd in this. I felt um, it play. It's the side scrolling shoot 'em up essentially, and it's in the, in the tradition of you are on the left. The screen scrolls to from right to left. You you traverse from left to right. Uh, normally festooned across the top and the bottom of the screen are things the background details which you must not not smack into, and then you will be menaced by varying different spinnies. Things will spin, some will spin and zoom, some will zoom and spin, and they're just, you know, avoid the stuff, shoot the thing. The, the way you shoot in this, you've got like these, um, you can get power-ups in this game, maybe. And you must. Because <laughs> you, yeah, you start off with like a really sort of crappy one-shot thing that's sort of, it's hard. So you've got to, you've got to upgrade fast speed, and you need to upgrade the, your rate of fire, because your rate of fire is really lame. Yeah. And then you start to see, the as you go through the game, there's quite a lot of enemy sprites on the screen, um, but it is, you know, it's not going to light anybody on fire with its amazing scrolling, but it's, there's a lot going on. And then you'll start to see letters appear on the screen. Um, and as you shoot the letters, 
um, you can collect, and each one represents a different thing. Now, I didn't have a list of them everywhere, but I think they were pretty obvious because it starts off with the M. Was there was an M and there was an S? I think. Yeah. So you got, I think you got S for speed up. You got P. Yeah. P R D M I N X. There is. Um, yeah. Each one does a slightly different thing because what is basically there's, the mainstay at the initial game part of the game is speed up, and as you gather as you gather them, you'll get sort of multi shots, shots of you know angles. Your shot rate will increase. You yeah. get like a laser thing. Rapid and there's all that, and all that kind of rapid fire. And you need them. You will need them because if you don't, some of these enemies take multiple hits to shoot. And if you haven't got the rate of fire, you, the, you won't kill them and no, you will you be won't. dead. You will, yes. So the game takes up most of the screen. There's a UI at the top giving lives, score, up, and information about your upgrades. And you are at the top, like I said, of some kind of submersible, generally affronted by the creatures that zoom in to menace you. More often than not, uh-huh. um, all standard shoot 'em up stuff, patterns, loops, zippy, zippy zappers. You see the letters, like I said, um, and the server you can collect upgrades, giving you that kind of multi shot weapons, all the stuff. It's a shoot 'em up, so of this type. Um, I felt that the graphics, the graphics are a bit of a mishmash. On the one hand, some of them look okay, remembering that this is two pounds. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, they sort of look a bit bitty and a bit just naff. Um, and the backgrounds have got this really weird blurry effect, which after a while made my eye go funny. Um, <laughs> so it's sort of meant to be 3D. Yeah. And it does kind of work, but because it's not very smooth, it's just a bit twitchy and a bit, I don't know. It's two quid, isn't it? I'm trying to think, you know, it's two pounds. Um, I, the, the levels do feel a bit overlong, it has to be said. I mean, I got all the way through the end of level one and it took what it felt like forever. And then yeah. when the level two came on, I was like, oh, <laughs> it's just like more of the same. But with a different colour. <laughs> yeah, different colour. And, and it was going on and on and on forever. I'm like, oh my. And the enemies get, you know, the patterns get really wild. There's loads of sprites on the screen at one point. I'm just like, oh, I don't know if I can be bothered to try and keep going. If you do die, um, you've got a number of lives, haven't you? Three lives, I think. Um, yeah. And if you do, if you do die, then you know you, you don't go to the back of the beginning. You do kind of start. And you can and you can get a little bit of pickup on your, you know, where you left off in terms of your upgrades. But it's not very forgiving. Um, and so, relatively nice parallax effect aside, which again, it it tries to give it depth. I think it's just the bitty movement and everything. It's not a terrible game. Um, I don't think it deserves seventy one percent. I don't think it's that good. There's better cheap shooters than this one um and it all felt a little bit thoughtless and a little bit mindless which is my chief complaint for this i know it's only two pounds but it just felt like it was just a it just made a shooter and gone right there we go there wasn't much more thought to the sort of process what was the other one we played one that had no score in it about two or three episodes ago oh the one from rayburn rayburn poltergeist Poltergeist, Poltergeist. i thought poltergeist was a better shooter than this yeah yeah Yes, this just feels like it. It almost had something quite good, considering the m- number of people on it. The sounds and everything are quite good, and it's all all that's okay. It just isn't really superdonically exciting. It's not super exciting. It's just it feels rote. It's something we've seen sort of a million times. I think it's just jumping on a bit of bandwagon here, but it is two quid. So now that Sunday afternoon test's getting heavily, and this is a busy Sunday afternoon. We're talking here. It's, I say, I think again, I would have been happy if someone had got me this. I wouldn't have, you know, I'd have played it for a bit. I don't doubt. I think I would have tired of it though, though, because I don't, I don't think you'd ever feel like you was ever going to get to the end of level one. No. And, and the way it controls and everything else, you might not, because if you the upgrade tree is unforgiving if fallen foul of. So two quid though, but I don't know. I would, I would have part this more in the kind of fifty to sixty percent. It's just that kind of dull average that you give or something like that works, but is no, no. What about you? Well, I was completely ready to write this off at first as another one of those games where they completely. You're so wonder, woefully underpowered at the beginning now, and I died quickly for the first few games, first few goes. I was like, can't shoot anything. I've got one bullet, and everything's too fast. 
And then, but then I noticed I, I managed to take out a wave and got a power up and managed to be able to shoot faster. And then it was like, oh, okay. And then it started opening up and being able to get speed ups and stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, turn me around on this a bit. Uh, it's a it's a decent budget blaster once you level up. Uh, but like you said, the the problems are it, the levels go on forever, <laughs> just forever. And at one point, I thought I was shooting what looked like cooked chickens that were spinning towards me. Yeah. So there's a randomness to the sprites that's all over the place. And then there was another bit where I was getting menaced by lobsters that were sort of coming from top and bottom of the screen and coming along at a diagonal. It was very odd. But, you know, it's, under, it's underwater, in it? I don't know. There was enough here to keep me entertained for a few goes. But And it doesn't, you know, like you said, it doesn't compare to the best of these kind of games. I mean, it's basically Salabrounder, isn't it? That's what I'd basically call this. Because it's, it's Salabrounder yeah. in, in the fact that those, those opening waves... They're the same formations as you get in Salamander or Nemesis. Um, them sort of ones that come in and sort of diagonally go down a bit and then carry on again. You know, those those waves. It's those waves. They're here. <laughs> We've seen them before, yeah. you know, and they're here they are again. But, you know, rocking along on my floating bike was kind of cool. I kind of like the, the rocking sort of motion from side to side, the animation on it. And like you said, there's a lot going on on screen. Just half the levels, <laughs> if you'd have... If these levels had been half as long and twice as many, I'd have probably been more forgiving of this because it just felt you were never getting anywhere. The levels just went on and on and on and on and on. But, you know, I didn't mind it after a few goes. Try to work out what all the letters did um, as you got more and more powered up and more and more letters appeared. So you got R and then F and then P and, sorry, P and then X and then I and then E. And you were like, oh, what does that one do? And you were trying to work them out and none of them did much. F was the best one to get. If you got an M and then an F, you were sorted because F did sort of forward diagonal firing and then you could just, you know, you could just let loose and that was all right. Uh, avoid the S though. I found a couple of S's made it completely uncontrollable. It was so fast. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Um, so I found, I found that was the most fun part of this, working out what the letters did, which I'm not sure if that's a, a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, I'm sort of in agreement with you. It's it's all right, it, but it's just it just needed someone to come in and go, cut that level in half. <laughs> God damn you. And double it up. Then we say instead of three levels, yeah, you've got six levels. That sounds way better. It's the same amount of game, but, yeah. you know, six levels not and, and give the players something to aim for. But, yeah, Scorpius. Never played it before, never heard of it, but it wasn't terrible it was all right there we go lots of that's s's it. lots of all s's. s's all the s's from silverbird so that's it it's a strange half that one it's not much not much to, very average a very average half average budget is average budget isn't it average budget yeah mm. there we go that's the first half we're going to go away take a break we're going to come back um and we're going to talk about film and tv from october 1988 see what was going on there so please do stick around <laughs> The novel Escape from the Commodore 64 by David Hearn is out now. Growing up in the 80s is a chore for Sarah, who feels misunderstood by her parents and badgered by Reese, her bothersome brother who incessantly prattles on about his treasured computer games. When Reese tells her one of the games tried to pull him inside the computer, she laughs off his fanciful fib. She waggles the joystick to disprove his fairy tale and is pulled into the computer. Now trapped in games she'd never had any interest in playing, how can she possibly beat them? With the help of feisty Nell, another trapped player, can Sarah find her way back home or is it game over? An evil madman, a hostile planet, bloodthirsty robots, a never-ending throng of karate experts and relentless digital soldiers will do their best to ensure Sarah never escapes. Available from Amazon and all good online retailers, find out if there's a way out of the beige bread bin of betrayal for Sarah in Escape from the Commodore 64. Are you keeping up with the 
And we're back. We've got film and TV from October 1988, so let us not dally. Let's get straight into the TV. Graham, on 3rd of October, finally, Ulster is the last in the ITV network to begin 24-hour transmissions. Well, that had to happen eventually. They, I mean, yeah, they couldn't be left out for too long. But like, you know, let the power hour commence, or got, whatever it would have been. So, so the Hitman and Her could be broadcast across the nation. <laughs> yeah, probably. Aren't they lucky? Aren't they lucky? I know. Uh, 6th of October, Thames, Border, Time Tees and Ulster air the final episode of The Sullivans, <laughs> becoming the first ITV regions to complete the series. Wow, was it a race? I, I, <laughs> I think they're just like, what have we started? This goes on forever. <laughs> make them end and make them end soon. <laughs> yeah, good on them is all I can say. I posted a, a clip of the uh, Sullivan's there. You might want to have a watch I of did. that. I don't know if you had a watch of that. It was, yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, Couldn't remember a thing about it. No, it's, it's like the guy comes over and wants to uh, go flying or something. Yeah, so I, I'm looking at it going, what are you? <laughs> don't remember anything about it. No, I, it, I, no, 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 it was the title screen. It was the title sequence, wasn't it, where the... Uh, that's what I posted here. It's just I watched a clip of it as well. Good lord, rang no bells. I think I just didn't take this. No, nope. I, I, I don't know. It was on a time I wasn't aware of. No, eleventh uh, of October, ITV airs the first episode of the two-part miniseries Jack the Ripper, starring Michael Caine, Lewis Collins, and Jane Seymour. But you want someone to keep you warm tonight? <laughs> they said they were finally solved the mystery of the Ripper, um, but you know we all knew by this point, that it was a 60-foot sea serpent. <laughs> Scotland, yeah, we did. We knew who it was. It's <laughs> obvious. It was. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> Wait a minute. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> so this film was produced to coincide with the 100th anniversary of the Whitechapel murders. Okay. It was originally Strange. screened on British television in two 90-minute episodes broadcast on consecutive evenings in October mm. 88. To coincide with the dates of some of the original events. Creepy and yeah, weird. Yeah, ad- advertising itself in advance as a solution to the century-old mm. mystery of the murderer's identity using newly discovered original evidence. So mm. the, the series revelation was that Sir William Gull was Jack the Ripper, but it wasn't new that. Stephen Knight's 1976 book alleged that Gull was the Ripper. Prior to that, the theory had been cited in the 1973 BBC TV series, Jack the Ripper, two episodes of which directed by Dewitt. Furthermore, the Ripper character in the film Murder by Decree assigned the fictitious name Sir Thomas Spivey was based on Sir William Gull as well. Bah! Bah! <laughs> yeah, yeah. They like to wrap it all in the big mystery. It's weird how Jack the Ripper, a violent you know, serial killer, as such, he mutilated his victims um, and yeah. became this kind of, you know, well, you know, let's just make TV shows about it because it's kind of mysterious and it's a, it's a mass murder and it's horrible. Nothing nice about it. Um, you know, it's just it's just kind of horrible. And they're just all of this, you know, who done it? Because they put the it actually works. I remember watching it and it actually plays out a bit like a who done it. So it's like these they explore different characters and it's like, could it be him? Could it be hit that kind? Of, not done in that obvious way, but that's the kind of you know, <laughs> clue down methodology. Michael K. It's, it, it's like it's a bit like that, though. It's sort I of think like, it could be. <laughs> You're only supposed to rip off. No, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> anyway, um, so it was kind of it wasn't the big revelation it was meant to be, and also a lot of the facts in the show facts. There's a term we have to be very loose. loose we're very with wrong. Well, they were wrong, and partly because they made some of them up, and it was based on fiction, and also because they had absolutely no real police records or anything like that have anything to do they didn't, they didn't have any of the te- techniques that we now obviously modern policing have any of that mm-hmm. so the inspector would have come along and look at this and gone there's definitely been a murder there I say that, that that body and that and they're going right who do you think did it don't know someone with a knife very sharp knife and when if you actually look at the look at the more detailed facts about the murders 
the kind of knife that was used was clearly surgical. So whoever did it, had, you know, but they came, they say he had surgical knowledge. I don't know about that, but um, William Gull. I would defer everybody though, again, to a book called The Five by um, Hallie Rubenhold. It's called The Five, The Untold Lives of the Women Killed by Jack the Ripper. Go and read it because it's exceptionally good. And it gives you a nice, proper story about, and well, it gives you the kind of more information about the victims as opposed to it all being about some fanciful notion of, you know, oh, it's saucy Jack, he's a haughty one kind of thing. You know, we're going to make a musical about Jack the Ripper, as a spam attack once said. (laughs) Saucy Jack. He's an haughty one. (laughs) Saucy Jack. Yeah, He's anyway. Saucy one. So go and read that book and don't and you know, don't to get too wrapped up in there. Did you ever watch that film from hell, by the way? The film called From Hell. E, that's the Johnny oh, Depp one, isn't it? Yeah, that ain't good, that. That no. ain't good either. No. no. It's got um, Heather Graham in it, and it is. Don't you keep me warm tonight? Kind of. <laughs> Pretty much. It's just about, it's not, is it, is it worse than uh, that other one? That little crap horror film we did, Secret Secret Window, is it? Secret Window? Is it Ninth Gate? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yes, that's actually quite funny. That's so unintentionally funny. Go just watching the last ten minutes of Ninth Gate. It's always worth it for when the the dude sets himself on fire and he's going, "Oh, I feel the power." <laughs> it's hysterical. Um, though watching somebody burn is not insane. Yeah, it's all make believe. Fourteenth yeah. uh, of October, Play School is broadcast for the final time on BBC One. The last new edition was shown back in March. So yeah, it's Slum Town now. Humpty and the rest, <laughs> and they uh, noted that on the um, the final song when they played it, went, that was the end of that. That was, that was the it. final few notes. Yeah, by play school. I never liked yeah. it. Not, and think... if you do see uh, Humpty out there, please report to the police immediately. He's dangerous criminal in the room. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's uh, he's yeah. After what he did to Little Ted. Yeah, exactly. 19th, 19th of October, Home Secretary Douglas Hurd issues a notice under Clause 13 of the BBC Licence and Agreement to the BBC and under Section 29 of the Broadcasting Act to the Goodness IBA, prohibit- prohibiting the broadcast of direct statements by representatives of supporters of 11 Irish political and military organisations. The ban lasts Goodness. until 94. Denies the UK news media the right to broadcast the voices, though not the words, of all Stupid. Irish Republican and Loyalist paramilitaries. The restrictions, targeted primarily at Sinn Féin, means that actors are used to speak the words of any representative interviewed for radio and television. Utterly stupid. Uh, utter, yeah. So you can you can hear what they've got to say, but just not by them. You, you, you can hear the words, but you can't have everything. You know, you know who's been working at the BBC there, right there, don't you? you got a bug in your hair. Seriously, though. <laughs> the Sinn Féin, they've got a gang of gimmicks. Just pop the little what's it. This is Look so into stupid. The <laughs> it's absolutely stupid. It deserves stupidity, deluxe. And I remember uh, w- watching them be babbled over by actors and thinking, this is stupid even then. Yeah, yeah. it was ridiculous. 23rd of October, the final episode of Channel 4's groundbreaking youth music and current affairs program, Network 7, is broadcast. I thought this to, ran for it, longer. I was going to say, I was just going to say, I thought it was on for longer than that. I wouldn't say it was groundbreaking i think um it was it was just the one we didn't seem to be speaking that long ago about because this was um what's her name wasn't it, it was this uh she janet street porter janet Magenta. street porter's thing wasn't it yeah i think uh, so i'm sure we discussed this recently didn't last very um, long i'm sensing a tremor that did they have a change of head at the top of channel four and came along and went we don't like that show get rid of it uh, maybe 25th of October, as the 25th anniversary of the assassination of John F. Kennedy approaches, ITV is the two-part documentary, The Men Who Killed Kennedy, a film mm. which explores discrepancies and inconsistencies 
in the US government's official version of events. Aye, get your tinfoil hats. Aye, absolutely. I'm uh, I'm still don't think J.R. Oswald worked alone, but there you go. <laughs> I don't have any kind of stance on it because it's all crazy. Uh, well, yeah, it is. I do like the film though, even though there's problems. I, I don't. I don't remember that that version of it. I, I, it's all been superseded by JFK for me. So what the film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, so yeah, the yeah, men who yeah. killed Kennedy probably is a very interesting documentary. But I only remember JFK. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't remember this as well. Um, I, I would have been really interested if I caught it, but maybe I did. Maybe yeah. I didn't. And I remember. And I only really remember John Candy's character where he goes, "You got the right TT, but the wrong ho ho." <laughs> well, something film. like that. Yeah, <laughs> some reason. <laughs> Oh yeah, that he does. He does say that. That's that is true. He does. <laughs> and Ke- Kevin Bacon's like like <laughs> gay, fascistic, yeah, that's weird right. character. Strange, very, film. very strange, very strange. Thirtieth uh, of October, following the signing of a new four-year deal to show exclusive live coverage of top-flight English football, ITV begins showing a live game every Sunday afternoon. The first live game under that title was on 30th of October 1988 when Everton and Manchester United drew 1-1. I bet that was, I bet that was a thriller. Wow. I bet everyone was on the edge of their seats. <laughs> Just boring. Very boring. So, oh, he's kicked it forward. Oh. That was a goal. That was another one. And that's it for 90 minutes. Uh, and I love football, don't get me wrong, but that's not a good advert no. for is it? Uh, same day, Firstborn, a three-part adaptation of Maureen Duffy's novel Gore Saga, that's G-O-R, makes its debut on BBC One. Oh. Uh, not to be confused with the football list, Gore, <laughs> uh, Charles Dance starred as a genetic researcher, Edward Forrester, whose work mm. leads him to create a man-gorilla hybrid what? using sperm from an unknown sperm donor and cells taken from a female gorilla. What the he hell? then raises the baby, has his own son, only to find that there are horrifying consequences for playing God. <laughs> I tell you what, it, it, the banana bill every month is like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm, I can't keep buying all these bananas. <laughs> just, just you will weird. buy them. <laughs> all right, God's sake. All the fruit are available. <laughs> <laughs> just I didn't need to throw that papaya at my head and then he went on to have that career with Giddy didn't he in the Giddy game show Gorilla's Ready I thought you meant Charles Dance then it, possibly both it could have been uh, Charles Dance has had some weird old parts in things but playing the dad of a man gorilla is probably not on his CV now man gorilla hybrid <laughs> a, wow what is that a man gorilla a marilla <laughs> I don't even know it's a manimal he made a manimal he really did. He made a Simon McCorkindale, and for that, he can never be forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> just oh, his dear. cheeks went <laughs> every now and again. It just there's a part missing there, isn't it? When it's, it says they've 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 wrapped it up using sperm from an unknown sperm donor, and it's like it's just what it's just why that why those things? Because anyway. I think it's uh I think it's. I think it's Dance's uh, little peculiars that have, is used to impregnate the the uh, gorilla. So the original name for this could have been Dances with Monkeys, couldn't it? But they're like, no, it's not, they're not technically monkeys. <laughs> oh, all right, call it you know, call it something else then. Dance Man, Dance Man Gorilla, the Gore Saga. Okay, I thought the Gore Saga. I I remember the Gore Saga. I remember seeing them in the um, like fantasy section in in the bookstore. Yeah, I thought they were fantasy like books, but I I had just I thought they were. Children of Gore and things like that. I yeah, thought they were like yeah, Marauders of Gore. I didn't think it was a man monkey. No, <laughs> I certainly didn't. Maybe it's a different kind of. Maybe it's a different book. Yeah, Where do you get Gore from anyway? Maybe that's the name of the gorilla. Gore. No, I, I bet you that's the, yeah. That'd be the name of the gorilla. Gore it? the gorilla. Gore. Yeah. 
Any Don't tell Andy Serkis he'll be trying to get that remade. <laughs> you got you got any roles I can play? Play a great gorilla, monkey, anything. <laughs> Monkeys, <laughs> gorillas, primates mainly. <laughs> Although I will stretch to a wombat. <laughs> How are you going to be a wombat? Hang on a minute. Give me a minute. Do you, have you seen a wombat? Not recently. I can be a wombat. <laughs> I can be a wombat. Otter. <laughs> anything. Badger. Do out. Specialise in most unusual animals. <laughs> <laughs> do a great dinosaur. Don't don't need special effects. Just get me. Get me in. Yeah, get I'm me fine. In. Put me in a suit. I'll have you convinced there's a velociraptor running around your bedroom. <laughs> My bedroom? Well, that's how he teased did I, did, I, did I not mention that? That's how <laughs> he tempted his wife. Film. <laughs> that's, how got, that's how he met his wife. <laughs> With his real little arms. Yeah, that's what he said to her. Come upstairs, I'll show you my velociraptor suit. Like, oh, you, you had me at velociraptor. <laughs> <laughs> you had me at come upstairs. You lost me at velociraptor. <laughs> <laughs> now, take, don't ever take that suit off and go and make a cup of tea. I can't okay. reach the I can't reach the handle. I can't I can't pick up the cup. Oh dear. Andy Sir how did we get to Andy Circus as a velociraptor? Because he's a man monkey. Oh yeah, that's how. Via uh, <laughs> a wombat. Yeah. I can't even think what a wombat looks like. It's a man wombat, it's a mombat. <laughs> a one man. A one man band. <laughs> he plays no. all the instruments as a wombat. It's a bomb uh, uh, new shows this month. Second uh, of October, something called "Piece of Cake." As stupid six-part television serial depicting the life of a Royal Air Force fighter squadron from the day of the British entry into World War Two. <laughs> second, also second of October, Hale and Pace started. Mm, I wasn't a fan of Hale. I hated Pace. them. I hated Hale and Pace. I hated them. I just couldn't. I never found them funny. Anything they did, just I never. Knew, I never only remember anything. that they did like that the management thing, didn't they? And didn't they have a song out when they? Oh uh, yeah, they did the, the stonk or something. They did the for, stonk. Uh, that's it. That's got uh, for children in need. But also as well, the the other one they had, didn't they do like a? Weren't they like children's presenters? They had sort of brushed forward hair, and they were like it was like uh, full of yeah, sexual yeah. innuendo stuff. Yeah, something something not very good. Yeah, it wasn't really wasn't very good. What happened to them though? Where did they go? I don't care. Maybe got killed. Got killed. Got killed by a, uh, a, man a tribe of man gorillas. Yeah, <laughs> man maybe they went to live with them. Just went off to live with them in a commune. They could have done, yeah. They could have done loads of Andy, uh, but they're trying to search for the real Andy Circus in a gorilla pride, <laughs> in a gorilla pack. One of you's Andy Circus. I know you are. Which, which one is it? Which one is it? It's just Andy Circus with a bit of <laughs> bushier eyebrows. <laughs> They'll never know. <laughs> I, could, I can live like this for months. So you'll never know. <laughs> I love the idea of him. He's got no makeup or anything. He's just just a bit heavier eyebrowed. <laughs> And no one can tell them apart from a, a real gorilla. Damn you, circus, you expert. <laughs> the only way to tell them apart is to ironically put him in a circus. Circus in a circus. Third <laughs> uh, of October, it's the Opera Winfrey show started over yeah, here. Yeah, well early that. I like this. The Opera Winfrey show, often referred to as the Opera Show or simply Opera. <laughs> <laughs> like okay, it's like the Whitney, isn't it? Uh, mm. It was a you know everyone knows this was this was the uh, the invasion of this sort of thing. This was the start, yeah. wasn't it? As far as I'm aware, of this kind of television format of a presenter yep. in a big crowd and talking to the crowd about issues of the day and getting people on to talk yep. about their problems, which would lead Began. to Jerry Jerry Springer, Springer <laughs> Jeremy Kyle, yeah, loads of Trish, Trish, Trish. Goddard. Um, Kilroy Silk. In America, you had that doctor guy, doctor, doctor, what's Bill. his name? Doctor Phil. 
to us like mon, yeah. mon, there's loads of them loads of it loads of them loads of them there's and then obviously mon, you know there. the one of the simpsons <laughs> 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 your tears say more than truth ever can <laughs> None of them are good. I don't watch any of them. I mean, it was Gentle Ben, wasn't it? The Gentle Ben one. Gentle Ben. I mean, <laughs> no, ben, Oprah's, no. <laughs> Oprah's less like Jerry Springer and more like um, she interviews people on oh, a couch and say on a station. Yeah. Ellen is kind of the where it's sort of you know what well, was before that got taken off. But Ricky Lake as well. Ricky Lake. Oh, of course, Ricky Lake. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Aye. Um, yeah. Uh, also, third of October this morning started. That's unbelievable, isn't it? That begins right all the way out, all the way back in nineteen eighty eight. Uh, with the, uh, of course, it was in Liverpool then. It was in Liverpool, yes. Yeah, so it was at the Albert, in the Do- Albert Docks. Albert yeah. Dock, yeah. It had the map on the uh, in the on the water, didn't there? It's still going. I mean, the show's still on air now, isn't it? With um, Phil and uh, yeah, Holly Phil Willoughby. And Ho- Holly Willoughby, yeah. And Dermot and what's the face, Andrew, Andrew, uh, someone. I don't watch it, so I have no idea. I don't have to tell you. Yeah, they, they top ticket in turns doing it, and I don't. On Friday. I, I don't, I, I've seen clips. Yeah, clips in the. You know, I've seen the odd clip here and there. It's not something I'd sit and watch. I don't know who would, but of course Richard Madeley was the one that kind of famously had so many faux pas on that show. It's unbelievable, isn't it? And he does yeah. catalogs of them. True, yeah. I did. Yeah, I did see a clip recently. I think it was on Gogglebox where they showed a woman marrying herself. Yeah, it's kind of gone that way. It's gone that I, way. Uh, okay. And I don't know what's you know, they're just they're often interviewing very divisive, deliberately divisive characters, and yeah, sort of trying to argue that they're you know talking about the points that people want to talk about. And it's like, mm, you sure? Are you? You're not just doing a lot of it's just you know um, poverty porn on there and stuff like that, which isn't very really nice. So. No, it's not. Uh, yeah, they, they did a thing recently, didn't they, where you could uh, spin the wheel and get your electricity bills paid for a year. Yeah, that sort of thing. And that's not forgetting, not, of course, that's not great. the backlash, the enormous backlash when they allegedly jumped the queue at the Queen's funeral. That didn't go oh, down yeah. too well, did it? Because they were like, pretty much ostracised from society. You don't do that in Britain. Nobody queue jumps in this. Especially that, that of all the queues <laughs> you were going to jump, not that one, not the Queen's funeral queue no <laughs> bad move bad move i mean they said they didn't jump it you know who's, who says they didn't or they did who cares but uh, the british kid at that point yeah you you know you could do anything you know but jumping a queue bad enough jumping a really long queue terrible jumping a queue that's to the queen's coffin you are committing social especially, media suicide especially when you had people like david beckham queuing in line cheering people up exactly giving, giving them crisps things yeah, like that he did smoky beckham crisps yeah he did yeah good old beckham um, third third of October again. Rapido started. Rapido. I didn't watch a lot of Rapido actually. I did. I Rap- Rapido. That's what I remember. I remember it, but it was I didn't the, watch a lot of it. So, if you those who don't know, it's a French music program presented by Antoine de Con in 1987. After the BBC's head of youth and entertainment Janet Street Porter saw the program, she decided to commission an English language version with de Con, which would become part of her Deaf Two programming block on BBC Two. This is Janet Street Porter. We thought she was part of uh, Network well, Seven. Maybe she, she, she switched channel. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember what Network Seven she was. Turned, anyway. She turned channel. She turned <laughs> channel. Yeah. Um, the thing about Rapido and Antoine de Con, this is eventually going to lead to Euro Trash. You know. And Eurotrash, as we all know. Yes, it did. It was uh, the stock watching of uh, late night Friday it was. night. It was the adult version of Rapido, wasn't it, really? It's the it, same sort of presentation, but it, silly. And it had Jean-Paul Gaultier, didn't it? Yeah, it was Jean-Paul Gaultier and Antoine de Con, and it was basically just, and that woman narrating it, and it was just odd yes. things from uh, from various European countries. Mostly boobs, really. Lots of boobs and naked stuff from you know, <laughs> places like Sweden and Denmark and curious things. <laughs> Periodically, you'd have Pippi and Popo would be in there as well, and yeah, yeah very strange would. program actually, but yeah, funny. It was funny, yeah, very funny. 
Uh, 5th of October, Richmond Hill. Never heard of this. An Australian television soap opera that we've never heard of. You ever heard of it? No. No. Another one from Australia. Yeah, it was made in 1988 by Reg Grundy. Uh, It was uh, devised by Reg Watson, who also created Neighbours. Wow. It debuted um, January... In January 1988, and the series only moderately successful, cancelled on 22nd of June 1988. Only lasted six months. Oh, okay. Obviously didn't catch on here. I watched the intro to it. It rang no bells. I just was like, nope, don't know what this is. Uh, don't know what that was. Uh, 11th of October, The Return of Shelley. Oh, Shelley. I remember Shelley. Yeah, my brother used to make me watch this. Well, not yeah. make me. It was just it, he used to watch it, and I was like happy to stay up and be on. So yeah. uh, for those who don't know, the original Shelley was a British sitcom. Uh, it was broadcast originally in 1980 or 70, 1979 to 1984 and starred Hill Bennett as Dr. James Shelley, 28 year old, uh, and a sardonic, perpetually employed anti establishment freelance layabout with a doctoral degree. Um, mm. By the time it got to Series 7, that was what this is Return of Shelley, was broadcast in 1988. Time around, Shelley is still separated from Fran, who was his on off love interest in the first series, uh, and lives on his own, doing his best to avoid obtaining gainful employment. More of the same. I remember, was this, did it have a lot of fourth wall breaking in that show? Or was that my imagination? I don't know. I get this and um, Agony mixed up, the Ma- yes. Maureen Lipman one, because yeah. they were around the same time. And I know obviously quite different, but I think I think maybe they did. I can't remember. Quite possible. Yeah, yeah. I remember Hugh Bennett. I remember his character in it being quite sarcastic all the time. Yeah, wasn't he in one of the Doctor's films or Carry On Doctor's films? Yeah, he's a he's patient. Loads of them. He's a patient yeah. in it, one, one of them. Yeah, and it, it, it's almost if you imagine a, a odd old mid, sort of middle-aged man playing a version of sort of a British Garfield type character. It's not far off that really kind of idea. That sort of yeah, 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 that's kind true. Of humor. Thirteenth of October, Alexis Hale stuff started. Good show that was. Yeah, British television comedy sketch show uh, ran for eighteen episodes of a three series. Um, I used to like this. That was funny. I always liked Alexis Sale stuff. It's very, very unusual. Um, very off the wall, lefty humour, wasn't it? Yeah, and just really quite surreal at times. Yeah, very, very. Um, so yeah, I used to I used to enjoy that. Seventeenth of October, Wyatt's Watchdogs. <laughs> Don't remember that at all. Nope. BBC. It's another one of those sitcoms from the BBC. Um, written by Miles Trudinick. It only, okay. only transmitted. It only got six episodes. Then was gone. Okay. Fourteenth uh, of October. Uh, sorry, going back. Sorry, that was fourteenth October. A taste for death. Okay. It's a nineteen eighty-six crime novel by the British writer P.D. James. No, seventh in the popular P.D. Ad- bloody James. Adam Dalgleish series. Um, the television mm. version of the novel was produced for British ITV Network in eighty-eight, starring Roy Marsden as Adam nope. Dalgleish. Nope. I won't be watching that. No, I, I always thought was your mum a fan of that? Mm, She—that's the sort of thing she if she was going to watch something. It's actually more likely with her the sort of thing she'd insist we videotape, <laughs> and then it would be just on a videotape for the rest of time. <laughs> and nobody's allowed to use that tape, watch that tape, record over it, do anything with it. It was just on there. Would it have its and tab then, removed? No, no, it would because it was just it would be on written on the side, and then even though we'd tape over it, and then six years later, my mum would go. Oh, I think I'll watch that Taste of Death. Have you taped over it? Like, it's been on there six years. Of course we have. <laughs> the Statue of Limitations is gone. Look, it was on there six minutes. <laughs> so, no, it's just one, that's the sort of thing she would make us tape. So. As soon as it finished, I rewound it and just recorded whatever was on. There's been Hitman many times where I've done just that. Yeah, it probably did have old episodes of a Sledgehammer or something on it. Yeah, or probably us mime it or you know doing a mic over something or other. Yeah, you know. dubbing. Yeah, dubbing yeah. the audio on something. Yeah. Twentieth uh, of October was Charlie Chalk. <laughs> Thank God it skipped me that weirdness. <laughs> yeah, this is a British stop motion animation series. It tells the story of Charlie Chalk, a jolly clown 
who, after falling asleep whilst fishing out at sea, ends up on a strange island by the name of Merry Twit. What? Characters had to be aware of coconuts, which constantly fell from the trees on the island. What strange little thing that is. Yeah, never heard of it. Uh, yeah. I did have a watch of the first episode, and that's the image I took from it. Big giant pink elephant. Bizarre, I, do like those, I like those early stop-motion things like that. Yeah, they're weird. 20th of October, The River, a British TV series from 1988 starring David Essex. Um, the river follows the tranquil life of lovable Cockney ex-convict David Jackson, who played by is. David Essex. I've heard enough. Does he ever play anything other than a lovable Cockney? No, he is one. No, we need. We've got a part for a lovable Cockney. <laughs> just, not I've you, Circus. Got... Not you, Andy Circus. He's not an animal. <laughs> just got a telephone and a desk, and it's just got one button. It's just the <laughs> David Essex button. <laughs> Get me David Essex right now. <laughs> a whole new world. <laughs> We'll start all over again. Twenty <laughs> uh, ninth of October, Hearts of Gold. I remember what? that. Really? Oh yes, yeah. it's the Esther Ransom one, isn't it? Yeah, I, yeah, yes, really yeah I did. Things were being nice to people. Didn't I they? hated it. I hated this. My heart is too full of bile and hate for this saccharine nightmare. I don't think it's really aimed at your demographic. This was aimed <laughs> at keeping grannies happy with a cup of tea. Yeah, true. It was not me. I was like, uh, I mean, the <laughs> irony of it, it's got Esther Anson who had fer- ferociously large teeth and a woman in it called Carol Smiley, who also has ferocious teeth. It's a teethy show that very teethy, <laughs> very toothy. Yeah, true. But I, it was not for me. Did they used to give out like some kind of awards and stuff for people being gold hearts? Gold hearts. (sighs) I never (laughs) did exactly what they said on the tin. (laughs) I never got one. (laughs) Did you do anything that was worthy of Esther Ranson? No. (laughs) (laughs) I still wanted one, but I would have fainted anyway and I'd throw it back at them. I don't want your rubbish. I'm (laughs) I'm an anti establishment 16 year old and I've got my yogi and I've got my yogi bear t shirt. (laughs) It was when TV started to pat people on the back a lot more than i think there was a general feeling that tv wasn't giving anything back to communities other than once a year when they did children in need and things like that so a lot of these little shows started to spring up there was one where they used to reunite people there was then it was sort of, sort of a little oh, bit of re- yeah. a little bit that, of remit that, filling was that silla black one yes yeah, surprise, surprise 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 yeah surprise, surprise 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 you thought he was dead but he ain't <laughs> oh he is <laughs> Who's this then? (laughs) You thought he died, but turns out when you put a pillow over his head, he didn't push it hard enough and and he's still alive and he's here now with a crowbar. I don't know why I do that weird voice. That's not anything like Silver Black. You've turned turned into, uh, what's his face from uh, George Michael? You look now like him. You you know what? If Matthew Kelly's involved, he probably was. He's a nice guy. (laughs) You you thought he'd bugger off. Yeah, we can't he find did, him. But now he's back. And we asked him to come on. The, we asked him to come on the show, and he said no. Well, surprise, surprise! He's, he's... got your shoes. <laughs> but most boring episode ever. <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks for that. <laughs> surprise, would, surprise! Would he's got dead gone. <laughs> he's got that fiver he borrowed off you three <laughs> yeah. years ago. It's the surprise, surprise where they get really low on surprises. <laughs> he said he'd bought you a present, but it turns out it was a book. Oh, that's great. Great surprise. <laughs> Act surprised then. <laughs> okay. Hey. More, more surprised. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. 31st of October, just around that month. This is David Lander. Don't it's a TV show. No, I watched the first episode. It was actually, it was okay. The parody Roger Cook style doorstep in investigative journalism shows. It starred Stephen Fry as David Lander. 
Um, so <laughs> the first one is basically about this builder who it's got what's Caroline. Oh, I can't remember the names. You'd recognize them, but they're Caroline Heard, is it? Oh. No, it's not her. It's um, uh, her who used to be in Jonathan Creek in the first few series. Can't remember her name. Yeah. Um, Caroline Quinton. Caroline Quinton. Yeah. So he's, he's basically interviewing him. They're like, yeah, we couldn't use the bedroom because uh, it, it blew up. <laughs> Okay. And we couldn't use the second one because that blew up. And the builder said that it was just a cat that came in and spontaneously combusted. And David, yeah. you know, it's like it's done like a Roger Cook documentary. So they go off and find people and they, you know, ch- chasing them in the car and stuff like that. But it's, it's uh, but Stephen Fry doing that, it was okay. It, not sure it lasted very long, but um, okay. there it is. That was that. Uh, that's it, TV. Film. 7th of October, you could have gone see Midnight Run. I thought it was out earlier than that, Midnight Run, but it's a very good film, Midnight Run. I th- I thought it was earlier. I mean, it probably is in the States, isn't it? But over here, we don't get them yeah. until quite late. So yeah. uh, it is a it is a funny film, Midnight Run. It is. Um, it's So Midnight Run is Charles Grodin, Robert De Niro. Uh, yeah. Robert De Niro is a... Is he a, not bounty hunter? He's a bondsman, isn't he? Bond, he's a bond collector, yeah. Bond collector, yeah. and he's gone to pick up... Charles Grodin, who is wanted by the mafia, I think. Is yeah, he? he's 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 a money launderer for them, isn't he? He's a money launderer, yeah, and he's got to get him across the country yeah. safely because yeah, because he, he's breached his bond, so they've got he goes and gets him, and he's got to take him back. Yeah, but the thing is, is like whoever brings him back gets the money for the bond, and so there's that yeah. other guy who's out of uh, Beverly Hills Cop, also trying to get him. Yeah, in there. yeah, yeah. Yes, there um, is, and it's a little bit plain, plain strange and automobiles. It is kind of a buddy buddy sort of almost a sort of that kind of thing in it. It is very plain strange, on feels like. Yeah, because they're they're traveling across America and they use lots of different methods of traveling because they all yeah, go tits yeah. up, don't they? If I remember right. Yeah, because well, he won't fly, will he? <laughs> Charles <laughs> yeah. Grodin's character, he, he he doesn't like to fly because it freaks him out. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so when he actually takes him initially, he's, he's going to just fly him back to Los Angeles. They've got to get back to, haven't they? Yes. You've got to go and pick him up and get get him back to Los Angeles essentially. But when he gets in the plane, he, fre- <laughs> he freaks out. <laughs> Yeah. These things go down. These things go down. It's really funny. It is a really funny film. Yeah. De Niro's ace in that film. It's one of his greatest roles. It is. It's it's the first one where he showed a really good comedic turn. Um, yes. And yeah, it is good. I watched it. I didn't. I watched it not too long back actually, and yes. thoroughly enjoyed my time with it. And Yafet Kato's in it as an FBI agent, and um, oh yeah, he is, De Niro's yeah. character steals his FBI badge and pretends to be him all over the place. It's really funny. Yeah, really funny. Yeah, I remember that. Fourteenth uh, of October. If you wanted more comedy. You could have gone and seen a fish called Wanda. So that's the John Cleese, um, John Michael Cleese, Palin, the, 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 the Kevin sort of, Klein, yeah, the the, the Pikins, as it was sort of Jamie Lee Curtis in it. And yes, I mean, I think this was the first time that Palin and Cleese had worked together since Meaning of Life, I guess. Yeah, Monty Python stuff. Yeah, I guess it is. Um, so this was seen as a bit of a return of a sort of Monty Python, but it's uh, it's yeah, a Eric Idle's in it as well, and he as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of similar to. Cleese's earlier film Clock Clockwork was it Clockwork? Yeah. So it's a very he's a very Cleese plays a very uptight British barrister. Yeah, it's a barrister, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, and Kevin Klein and Jamie Lee Curtis are American sort of uh, crooks, right. and they are working with Michael Palin, who's uh, as you said, you wouldn't get away with this, but he's like a stammering bit of an idiot. British yeah, stammering crook. buffoon, yeah. Um, and they're trying to take out this old woman who's a who's a witness to a to a crime that they committed. Well, yeah, uh, that's that's part of it. And it, it's basically she's she's her husband is in in jail for I think a bank robbery, and he's hidden the money. Oh, and, that's it. Yeah. And Jamie Lee Curtis is the is the is his gangster wife, as it were. And the barrister is representing him in court to try and get him off the charge. 
but she sort of falls in love with the barrister guy and then reveals that she's got the key to the where the money is. And the guy with the stammer is just kind of the person that is like the henchman of the baddie and he's trying to get him to do stuff, but he always cocks it up. Yeah, and then, killed, you know, and got then, three, she's got three dogs and he kills them one by one in various yeah. humorous ways. <laughs> And then uh, the American guy, Kevin, Kevin Klein, is the uh, his character is Otto, and I think that's her brother, I think, or her lover. I can't remember what relation yeah. is to Jamie the Curtis's character, but he's quite funny in it as well. That's one of the films he's really he's really really funny in that. It is, yeah. I mean, it's a re- it's a well written comedy. It's, yeah, it's a very it's good comedy enough. from that from that time. There's the great bit where obviously Cleese is dancing naked and the kids walk in, and <laughs> uses the photo of the uh, uses the photo of them to cover his nether regions. There's, there's some good moments in that. Especially when he's eating all the fish in the fish tank. It still makes me laugh to this day. Yeah. And, uh, although, although it is a not, not very nice joke in a way, but he, when he's driving towards him in that, um, he's stuck in cement and he's driving a steamroller towards him and he goes, oh no, Ken is coming to kill me. Yes. Apologies for that, but I didn't write that joke, but it is quite it is quite a funny moment in the context of that film. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's a bit of a classic, British classic. Yeah, um, it yeah, is. Good one. Uh, 18th of October, you could have gone seen Double Revenge. <laughs> as, if, as if one revenge weren't enough. <laughs> that looks so crap. <laughs> this does look crap. I watched the trailer, awful. The production company, though, was Smart Egg Pictures. Oh, let's see, that's got to be a good sign, surely. Um, so this is an, an innocent bystander goes on a vendetta against a bank robber. It starred Joe okay. D'Alessandro, Vinny Aguero, and Julie Ariola. They don't sound like quality names. <laughs> no, there's the picture for it. Look at that picture. Looks oh, awesome. Jeez. Oh, my God. That tagline, what happened to law and order is a crime. <laughs> Look at that. Terrible, terrible thing. Yeah, that was that. Uh, however, 19th of October, you could have gone and seen Nuki. I remember anything about that. I'm no. glad as well. Like, what is that? A monkey turd. <laughs> That's Nuki. An alien, a, an alien called Nuki searches for his brother, Maiko, who has been captured by the US government. See, this is when Charles Dance's first version of the <laughs> man gorilla went wrong. <laughs> and he, he, he produced a Gary. <laughs> <laughs> that is a cross between a monkey and a turd. Um, which many people have said about Gary as well. Not me, though. Not me. Not me. Never yeah. that. I've never I've said never that said either. That. That's a mean that. thing to say, but no. But what is that? Um, I don't <laughs> think it's a nice thing. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's zapping something out of his little finger. But I love the... the it just says wait. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm not waiting for that, no. No, it looks horrific and horrendous. It looks like a crap... What was that one with the alien going around? Mac and me. Remember Mac well, and me? That's, yeah, of course I remember Mac it and me. The one that's sponsored, sponsored by McDonald's. That one, yeah. The one. It looks sort of similar in style to that nonsense awful yeah it's not good that <laughs> no uh 21st of october though um you could have got a bit watery eyed seen tom hanks um in big <laughs> i wasn't a fan of these movies these swap body movies there was like loads of them though after this one yeah. i mean yeah. i mean it's not the first I, I don't know what the first is probably freaky friday or something the original with that's, Jod- the, that's the first one i remember jody foster um yeah. i looked for i looked for um uh just some info around these and i found some sort of the best body swap films and most of the list you know what can you guess what is number one i would have said big probably but face off i suppose it is a body swap <laughs> you know it's not but very it's good just, it's not very good it's a face swap <laughs> more <laughs> than a body swap it's just ridiculous uh but yeah anyway big big was um it was huge one at the time it was a very, massive, very massive. He's very deal. good in it. He is very good in that. Actually, he plays that kiddie character quite well. Yeah. So the story of this is that as a kid's not happy. He, I think he likes a girl. He wants to be big. He wants to be grown up. So he, yeah. he goes to like this Zoltar machine and a, a sort of a down on the docks and this old sort of 
He does. Sort of, um, thingy, and he wishes to be big, and then he wakes up the next day, and he's Tom Hanks. He is. He's big. And he immediately wakes up and has a watery eye, Tom Hanks. <laughs> he does. <laughs> He can, um, and then he goes and gets a job on what you know in a toy store, but, yeah. you know, because he's got that he's got it, that yeah. kiddie you know vibe, so sensibility yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. And he falls in love with this woman, and then she watches him go back at the end, and he's a little kid again. And she's all a bit weird yeah. when you think about weird. it. When, yes, weird when you think about what they've been doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is a bit strange. Um, but that was big. There's the classic scene where they dance on the giant piano. Yeah, um, yep. and, and other bits. I, th- I think I went to the cinema to see it. I think it's all right. I don't know. Twenty first of October is the House on Carroll Street. Okay. Don't uh, about th- that. I think I've seen this. It's a nineteen eighty eight American neo noir directed by Peter Yates, starred Kelly McGillis, okay. Jeff Daniels, Mandy Patinkin, and Jessica Tandy. It's set in the fifties and follows a photojournalist who blacklisted after refusing to disclose names to HUAC, which is the House Un American Activities Committee stumbles upon a plot to smuggle Nazi war criminals into the United States. That took a turn, that plot. Yeah, it is a bit of an odd plot. Yeah. yeah be, uh, I, I think I've seen it, but I don't remember anything about it. No, I don't ring a bell. I normally would have, you know, Kelly McGillis, I don't really remember for anything other than um, Top Gun. So yeah, Top yeah Gun that's pretty in, much yeah. it, really. That's all I remember yeah. for. But, you know, no one was going to go see that, really, were they? They're going to go see the other film that was out on the 21st of October. More than likely. Because The Running Man is out. It's time to start running. <laughs> I'll be back only in a rerun <laughs> and other such things. So do you like this film? Do you like The Running Man? No, no, I don't. I think it's tough, awful piece of shit. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's crap. Uh, it's not a very good film. It's crap. Uh, just there's moments in it I like, but it's it's camp. It's, if we watch it, I watched it recently. Um, and it's really it's overtly camp in a kind of odd way. Um, yeah. Even even Schwarzenegger's character plays it up quite camp in that, and that's okay. Um, and if you sort of take it in that respect, and it is very tongue in cheek. I don't. I think the the irony of it was that people probably took it a lot more seriously in back then, and not serious serious, but more as a more serious action movie than it actually is. It's not. It's kind of very tongue in cheek and almost a Mickey take really. But there's some funny bits in it. Mm. But. The weird thing is, is the obviously because it's based on the Stephen King. Um, short story or the book or the novella yeah. or whatever what he wrote under the name of uh, Richard Bachman so it's part of the Bachman uh, story loosely based wrote. yeah and it's very very loosely based because the, the story the book is incredibly different because they're running all across America aren't they it's essentially yeah. that what that pro TV show is Hunted or Hunter yeah, so that's right. essentially they get released into America and they're hunted and they're hunted across America and they're killed um, and the, the whole point is to last for uh, seven days I think it is in the book yep. and yeah, I think in, in the end I mean it's quite thingy didn't he end up flying a plane into the um yeah the, the business yeah. the, the business business building basically to destroy it bring yeah. it all down yeah. um but yeah it's very very different it's massively different in tone because it's quite dark because he's doing it to save his kid or something isn't he i think in the yeah. book if i remember rightly um i haven't read it for ages but i seem to remember that but the the, the film is it's so weird it's so like you said it, it almost feel like it's quite european but it's, it's the only film directed by paul michael glazier in it yeah yeah Stasky yeah, or Hutch, Stasky. whichever he was. But it feels sort of, you know, it's weird outfits. The sort of the, the hunters or whatever they're called. Strange. What are they called in it? Is it not gladiators? What are they called? Um, what are they called in that? Oh, my I gosh. I can't remember what they're called, but you've um, got, you know, Sub-Zero and... Um, Sub-Zero. Um, and Fireball. Fireball and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, it's what so odd. Um, Buzzsaw. Buzzsaw's the other one. Buzzsaw. And do you remember the, um, the electric guy? What's he called? Dynamo, is it? Oh, Dynamo, <laughs> Dynamo. Dynamo. What are they called? 
Not those runners and there's. Uh, I honestly can't remember. Why is that gone out of my mind? Yeah, um, it's because it starts off with him sort of shoot, uh, not shooting loads of people, and they make out that he did. That's what gets him in jail, and he's in a jail where you know it's super super high tech jail where your head blows up because they put these sort of explosive yeah. collars around your neck. Yeah, he manages to escape out of that and then ends up in a woman's flat where he breaks her gym, gets on a plane <laughs> with a really weird Hawaiian shirt, and then ends up on a game show. He like. What? Yeah, who made- wrote this? How did you get from that guy going in a game show to save his son's life to this? <laughs> yeah, and then it turns out that there's some kind of um, underground movement. Run by who- Mick Fleetwood. <laughs> by Mick Fleetwood, who have got a base inside the game zone of this game show. Yeah. And that, every- and that they're transmitting, they need to transmit some signal that will undo all of the things that have been done. It's just, it's all a bit odd, isn't it? Let's yeah. face it. And then everyone listens to an old woman when she says, uh, I'm Ben, I'm Ben Richards. Whatever she That's said. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause she, she decides against all the odds to vote, vote because the idea of the game show, the running man is that the people would bet on the outcome. And then these, um, on, on who would kill the, um, on who would kill the runners, which, which, of, right. which of the uh, thingy, who do they, because it's fireball they bring back in it, or captain someone. Uh, or yeah. Cause, <laughs> cause it's, um, uh, what's his name in it? There's, there's one at the end that they bring back. Cause they, there's a few, he kills them all. Essentially they send the, what the hell are those people called? Cause it's really bugging me now. <laughs> I can't, I can't remember. What are uh, they called? Oh, Conver- stalkers. Stalkers. Yeah. They're called stalkers. So there's, there's st- stalkers anyway. The stalkers essentially, uh, go into the games and the idea is that they would kill normally kill the participants of this game show and then people bet and win prizes on how quick they'll do it and all that yeah but in this particular one ben richards who's a trained killer and um, starts killing all the stalkers way and in the end the end they end up having to sort of and actually and that is quite an interesting sequence where they get uh, jesse ventura out of retirement he plays someone <laughs> called some a captain something or captain other some freedom stupid. captain freedom captain freedom's a wardrobe you hit then they end up end up, end up actually um staging Richard's death because he disappears into the game grid and escapes essentially. Yeah. So they stage it for the people by, by digitally matting his face over an actor, which is kind of interesting because nowadays you could actually do that. This was the stuff of yeah. science fiction back then. And that's exactly how they do stuff like that now. Yes. Yeah, they do. <laughs> it's crazy. So they just deep fake it at the end, essentially. So this is some really interesting future facing parts. Lots of silliness in it. Yeah. Though. And also Lots this is the second film this week, uh, this month starring Yafet Koto. It is. Yeah, Maria Conchito Alonso, of course. She's uh, she she's it. not great in that. She's Amber Mendes. She's the she's the uh, <laughs> one who owns the gym that he breaks. Yes, and also you know she gets she gets thrown into the game because she cheated in college exams. <laughs> yeah, those bits are actually quite funny. The bit the bits <laughs> why she gets in. But there's she some, had relationships with one, maybe two. <laughs> yeah, there's some amusing moments in it, but yeah. it, it does fall apart, and it's not. It, it, it's. It, I think it's totally all over the place. Like Buzzsaw dies by having you know getting a chainsaw up between his legs. It's really yes. horrible. Um, there's that horrible bit where uh, Dynamo tries to rape her towards the end. It's like yes, yeah, so, what I mean. It's, it's totally this, all over the shop. I mean, the guy that plays Dick Killian, who's the sort of host of the show, is a guy called Richard Dawson, isn't he? And he's quite mm-hmm. he's quite famous actor. So for him to play that kind of role was totally unusual. I think he was even a game show host on something like Family Feud or some big show over in the US. Right. So he because he was a regular in those kind of shows, it sort of he plays that role very, very well in that film, even though it's a stupid film. Yeah. But he's particularly he's particularly good in that. Um but it's also it's there's hints of little bits of um hints of little bits of Robocop style thoughts in there, because there's little adverts in it as well where they do climbing for dollars and 
it's there's little hints of Robocop type. It's like they've stolen little tropes of Robocop to put in where Robocop has little adverts and stuff. So yeah. it's a curiosity and very strange. Apparently there's a remake in the in the cards directed by Edgar Wright. So. Oh, really? Mm. I wonder if it's going to be more like the original Stephen King story. Who knows? But that's the plan. Who knows indeed. So go, wa- go watch it because it's always nice to see Yafik Kotto in anything. <laughs> it is. See, this is related to royalty. <laughs> as we all know. And uh, interestingly enough, the guy that played Dynamo is a guy called Erland van Liet de Jude. Very strange, strange guy. But if you want to see what he's like without his Dynamo costume on, go and watch the film Stir Crazy because he plays Grossberger in that. Oh, is that him? That's him. Oh, wow. I didn't know that was him. The tagline for this film is terrible on the poster. It is the year 2019. The Running Man is a deadly game no one has ever survived. But Schwarzenegger has yet to play. (laughs) Yeah, he was really ramping up the popularity in the action stakes now, wasn't he? Yeah. Schwarzenegger, he was. I mean, he's good in that as well. He's actually quite, he's got some quite good one, quirky one-liners and stuff. And <laughs> remember, I could snap your neck like a chicken. Like, oh, it's got Who Mc... forgets lines like that? It's got McFleetwood, right? Not worth losing your head over. <laughs> <laughs> good impression, that. Anyway, so go crap. watch that. Of all the crappy ones we've looked at this time around, avoid Nuki and go and watch The Running Man. It's worth it just for the pure cheese. It's it so it, it's like it's the eighties version of you know two thousands. It is, it's so and it's got the ultimate end credits song for an eighties movie. I mean that end credits. No more lonely nights in a restless heart. <laughs> Roll the dice. Go just for that, which isn't on the soundtrack. But I remember when my mate Rick recorded me the soundtrack onto tape. He put that at the end. He's like, "I've made it complete, because <laughs> I know you like that song." I was like, "I never even said I did, but there you do." You I do, I do like that song. Actually, you know, <laughs> you don't, you don't like that song, <laughs> but I do. Anyway, there you go. That's it. That's your film and TV. That nukey picture is so weird. Uh, Running Man's probably the best out of that lot. Or big, I mean, Bigs or Midnight Run is probably, Man probably the best out of that lot. And Midnight or Fish Called Wonder, yeah. Fish Called Wonder as well. Yeah. Um, there we go. Man. We're going to go take a quick break. We'll be back. We've got five more games still to get through uh no crap verts this week i am afraid couldn't find any but uh still five games to get through so we'll be back in a moment so stick around the novel escape from the commodore 64 by david hearn is out now crash landing on a green planet full of vector graphics can sarah find a way to escape for real Or is she stranded on a planet full of sun, sea, and chippy tea forever? Imagine finding yourself in a cinematic karate game, having to rescue a princess, or remain stuck under the run-stop key forever. What about finding yourself on a space freighter full of robots? Could you clear the decks? If you were transported back to a Wild West town, having to round up outlaws, could you survive until sunset? What if you were a wizard with a cat who must color worlds? Could you beat the game, or would a virtual guitar solo announce your demise? Sarah might just be another visitor, but she doesn't want to stay a while, never mind forever. Available from Amazon and all good online retailers, discover if there's a way out in Escape from the Commodore 64. Visit davidhernwriter.com to find out more. And we're back. Five more games. Let's get into them. Graham, Ball Blaster. What's it like? Um, 87% worth of Ball Blast in this. 2.99. Mm, high score. Three pund. Three whole pund. 
published by Zeppelin Games, coded by Kevin Franklin. He did Draconis and Zybex. He did, yeah. Graphics are Michael Owens. He did Draconis and Zybex. He did, yeah. Tight screen, Michael Owens. What did he, he did do? Draconis and uh, Zybex. And Adam Gilmore did the music, and he did uh, Draconis and... <laughs> And others as well, as <laughs> well others. as Cybex and others as well. Nice breakout variant, this, I thought. Some nice graphics, great music. I like the music. The production's good here, actually. The production felt quite nice. Some nice ideas. You start the level in a standard way. Plays like Arkanoid. So you don't need me to tell you how this how these games play out. Hit the ball upwards to knock the bricks out, to get items to then maybe kill and avoid some aliens along the way. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if the ball thing gets past you, you're going to lose a life. If you lose all your life, it's game over. No real alarming logic to this. Um Eventually, you'll destro- destroy the necessary bricks to advance. And then you, from if you do that from the first screen, you'll be onto a grid-style view of all the levels connected together with you in the middle. You can choose the next level. So if you can choose, a sort of, I think, a square around you um, out of 61 in total. Um, you can also, at mo- those moments, assuming that you've collected cash from some of the bricks, which they do drop kind of cash points, points cash, um, you can buy upgrades for your bat with the things you've collected. Obviously, you need to have collected things for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And then on to the next screen and more button ball, ball button ball. It's, 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 it's all right. Um, there's some nice graphics in this game. I thought wasn't particularly ugly. It felt like a, uh, felt like a, uh, is it Arcanoid? Arcanoid. I said a Arcanoid. I keep saying it. It felt like Arcanoid. It's got some nice background details, a little bit of brown in there as well, but it, no, the bat looked like it looked like Arkanoid to me. It was it's yeah. it's, it's a lot closer to that kind of game than most of the others. It, in fact, it's probably a bit more like Arkanoid Two actually, and um, the Revenge of Doe. So it's like a budget Revenge of Doe. This really in everything in every way. Um, I thought this had quite some some nice graphics and sound in it. Lots of color, lots of movement, and no real bugs in there to speak of. It played pretty nicely. I don't know if the frame rate was just a little under what you need it to be, just a tad, just a hair. But that said, I found it quite challenging and playable. You don't need to go too far into the, you know, the in-depth analysis of something. It's a breakout game. It's a budget breakout game, and it worked really well and pretty good. It got a good reviewings at this. I think they found it quite refreshing. The general general feeling for this was that they hadn't had a good one in a while, and this one came along, and it's lots of colour, lots of nice stuff. Sounds really good, um, and it's got sort of a nice purchase upgrade kind of tree which made it a little bit refreshing a little bit refreshing and because you can i think you start off in this one with three um balls or they're not really balls they're kind of yeah the we'll call them balls but you start the balls, off with the balls. It's, it's called ball blaster yeah it's the, the balls and they're kind of they sort of you know obviously you sort of bounce them around and you're going to get multi-ball and multi-bat and bat extenders and speed ups and all those sort of things you can get in this so i thought this was nice i will men- make a special mention of the music because the music and sounds in this are really good and um, adam gilmore's got some really nice ideas for the music in this and for two three quid it's pretty good um i had no problem with it um first of a couple of uh, these kind of games we're going to go for i enjoyed it for what it was um, and we hadn't had one since really since Ar- arachnoid 2 that i'd really enjoyed as much arachnoid. as this <laughs> yeah arachnoid it's a it's a i don't know why i call it arachnoid i don't know uh, I haven't really played a game like that I've enjoyed like Arkanoid 2 as much. So when it came along, I thought it was good. But three quid in a bad price for that, is it? You get quite a bit for your money. 61 levels. And they're rock hard as well. The further you get into the levels, they might look scantily designed because all the designs are very different. It's not just a wall at the top where you've got to break through. There's shapes and bits and some of the br- bricks need a few hits or they don't break at all. And you've got to sort of navigate around and these things attacking you all the time. It's pretty good. Did you like it? Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's solid. Don't get me wrong. Everything about it is solid. I know what you say about the frame rate sort of thing. For me, 
I don't know if it's favourite, but I thought this was really garish. I couldn't be doing with those backgrounds. They did my eyes in. Um, so playing for it's too long. It's a, it's a decent Arcanode budget clone that plays well. Had some interesting twist on the formula, but those I just couldn't. The backgrounds like those cyan and grey faces. I thought they were all right, but like you say, they, but after a while, I was probably immune. Yeah, it made for me. It made I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was with a monitor. There was something, but for me, it made following the ball really hard i couldn't track the ball properly there was just something about it that was just threw my eyes in yeah, and this made busy. it quite and this made it quite hard for me to play so made it, made it for harder it it was, that gremlin one that had a similar problem in some of the levels the crack out was it crack yeah yes yeah, i think it was crack out one of them where, where the bat was on the side as well as the bottom yeah, it was crack out yeah, yeah. Oh, no, uh, that had a similar problem Traz, i think Traz, Traz, maybe. that was it Traz. yeah so yeah, far too often I just lost a ball amid the confusion of the background, and and you know that's not a good thing in a breakout game. For a few quid though, it's good, it's decent. I just couldn't. I I personally, I think it obviously didn't affect you, so that's fine. But I personally couldn't play this for long, no matter how clever it was, because the visuals just repelled my eyes. I needed to go into a dark room for a bit of a lie down. I my head was spinning after it. I was just like a bit like, oh, I can't look at it for too much longer. I don't know what it was. There was just something about that. It was either something about the backgrounds and the color of that ball moving across them. And trying to pass everything that just 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 something about it made my eyes go a bit funny. So don't know. It probably deserves eighty seven percent. There's a lot of nice stuff here, and there's a lot of cool design in places around it, and the music's good, and the visuals are nicely drawn, and it all does move smoothly enough, I guess. But for me, I just couldn't. I couldn't play for very long. Weirder. Sometimes That's you just fair. get these kind of sometimes, combo sometimes of colors. Come along. Yeah, it's, pl- it's playable as long as you can. As long as you can take it. It's not psychotropic in the Jeff Minter sense. No, but it is quite heavy on the eyes. There's a lot going on, and it's quite busy colorized. Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't, I don't think it needed those backgrounds to be quite what they were doing. I'm looking at one now, and it's like making me go, "Oh, don't like it. Don't like it. Don't like it." But otherwise, decent, decent. If you can, if you can stomach that, this is a very good um, budget Arkanoid variant uh, with some of its own ideas. But there you go. There we go. That's Ball Blaster. Play it if you like it. I guess. Let's move on to our next one. And weirdly enough, we've got a you know a, a 1988 version of the Brad Pitt film, The Fury. <laughs> How they knew? How did they know he was going to be driving facing, a tank? Yeah. I know that's quite clever. And anyway, yeah, this is The Fury. This is back to full price. We're back to nine ninety nine. Uh, I will say, okay, this has got a great title screen tune. Um, it's a really, it really, a really, really good title screen tune on this one by one Mr. Stephen Legg. Never heard of him, but really good tune on the title screen. I'm sure the game is going to be just as good. This is The Fury from Martech. It's got designed by Creative Reality, written by Jazz Austin, and converted by Johnny Hill Climber, with graphics by David Dew. I, d- I don't know what's going on here. In the game, we are told that the year is 2050, and you have progressed from Noid status and are about to compete in the first of 25 races that make up this season. Okay? But according okay. to the box, the back of the box, the power, the glory, the fury. Fasten your saver-being harness. Oh, I just put seatbelt for the Space Age Demolition Derby. Set on a looping track floating in space and curved for blistering speed and sensational thrills, the Fury is no-nonsense fast and addictive arcade action which sees you, as Earth's champion, I'll come to why that's not right either, do battle with the reckless and cunning victors of all the known world. Pod racing, before it was pod it, racing. It's, it's Alley Cat. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's Alley Cat then, except this is on its side. So this is Alley Cat, essentially. Think Alley Cat and you're not far along with us anyway. So the front end and instructions promise a lot here. The instructions for this are big. There's a lot of them. There's a big old manual for this. Yeah, I thought there would uh, be. A wealth of information provided with the instructions complete with a detailed history of rim racing. 
which is actually what we're doing here. There's loads of <laughs> oblique different and races. And I know rim. Yeah, which is actually what you're doing, going from the first rim race in 1996, which was built on a track in the Arizona desert, measuring 20 kilometers in diameter and 60 kilometers in length. I didn't do the maths with Pythagoras sort of thing to check if that was right or not, or pi r squared or whatever. That took eight years to build. It had over a thousand compete, thousand people competing in it. Four hundred thirty-eight people were killed and uh, in the race, and one hundred twenty-two were injured. So that's the first rim race in nineteen ninety-six. Sounds like a disaster. I would have thought so. Yeah. It then goes on to say that Earth has been renamed Ral. <laughs> Why? Don't ask. That's why, like, you're Earth's champion, but you're not now. You're Ral's champion. (laughs) Ral. No one had named this planet Ral. R-A-A-L. Ral. Oh, jeez. And a rim was built around Ral's moon. That's that's the moon. (laughs) (laughs) And it goes on and on and on. I'm not going to read it all out, but it just goes on. It's like... You know, oh, and then it was banned, and then it came back, and then this guy did this really weird thing and disappeared. And it's, the story is really strange. It goes on for there's pages of it, pages of this nonsense. It goes all the way up from 1996 to 2040, 2040 something, or where you come in. Uh, it goes, it goes a lot of detail, loads of details on the history. There's loads of details on the cars you can race, the weapons you can get, all kinds of stuff that may or may not be relevant to this game. The game itself is very well presented with a great title screen and options select. You kind of do this in this small box with a cursor and it's like telling you when you move your cursor, it's got like a grid reference thing. It's really cool. It's got a really cool front end this has. One of the most coolest front ends I've seen. It's really well designed. You can enter your name, you can reconfigure keys and start the game. You start the game, you can check on the next race. Um, You can try and buy a new car, upgrade your present one with some weapons like missiles, machine guns, small or large flamethrowers. You can buy fuel and things like that. You can also repair um your car buy an escape pod or whatever you can't do any of this at the start though because you've got no money um so you might as well just get into the race at this right here at this point where you get into the race is where all that bump all that story and all those options and all that well-designed intros come face to face with the reality of a game that looks like it's been transported from a spectrum and made in 1985 so yes uh, <laughs> it does <laughs> so the main play the main play screen has a scrolling road across the center of it what <coughs> white lines mark the lanes and get wider apart as they go up the screen in an attempt to simulate the curve of the track it's supposed to be curved like a bank curve. Work. um but there's no shading <laughs> so it all looks flat Only it, just, it, looks, it just looks very flat indeed so at the top of the screen there's a spectrum s picture of some planets in that spectrum high resi single color type horrible style and at the bottom is the ui again very spectrum-esque with the info for the race, like your speed, fuel remaining, the lap, your position, the ammo you've got left, the time left, and all over. But it's all very squashed into this bit in the middle. It's really hard to read and pass, and you can't really make anything out. It's all ugly and horrible. The road scrolls from right to left, as I said. So this is the second one, like Stuntback Simulator. It goes that way. Um, it feels odd. The cars are lumpy yellow and green things that go from side-on to top on as you go up the side of the road, you get because they're supposed to look like you're curving upwards. So if the bottom you're sort of side yeah. on, but as you move up the bank of the curve, they obviously flip and you're looking top on. But they're just lumpy and ugly and green and yellow and horrible. But it looks odd because there's no real feeling that the road is supposed to be curved. At some points, the road will flash colours like green or blue or red, and a crosshair will appear. So you have to slow down briefly to make it go away. If you don't, it just tracks onto you and blows you up. If you die or your car blows up or you run out of fuel, it's game over, you're dead. Unless you've got an escape pod, I think, but, you know, whatever. At some point, 
for no real discernible reason. The game will, the race will just end. That I could make out. Uh, and you move on to the next one after earning some credits and you can maybe spend them on fuel or a new car, etc. And the same boring, ugly race will appear on screen again. You'll do the same thing again. It's horrible. It's ugly. And oh, God, that front end wasted on this crap. There's different race types, but who the hell cares? It's a dull, vapid, over-presented game that for all its fancy front end and whistles looks rubbish and plays worse. The mix of blocky C64 graphics from 1985 or even 84, whatever, and Spectrum-esque high-res visuals in the sort of top and bottom bit in, in the game, they're a real mismatch. It looks ugly and it's just horrible. The whole thing is really just a poor man's alley cat flipped on its side. Alley cat did this two years ago and we had issues with alley cat and, you know, it wasn't brilliant, but it's so much better than this. Um, the only fury I had was having to play this nonsense. Mm. I don't even know why it's called the fury. Supposedly, if you do the fury, something weird happens, which means you're mm. in the top part. Oh, God only knows. This was crap. What did it get? It got 52%. No, just no. This is not a, an average game. This is a bad game, and it should be in the 20s, as far as I'm concerned. What did you think? Yes, it's the same. All presentation was good at the beginning. I mean, like you said, title screen, an interesting sort of choice, the way it looked, nice sort of high-res kind of feel, really great music, like you say. All all, all feels like uh, something special is going to happen, doesn't though? Um, when you get to the actual game, you get all that nice front end, you think, okay, it sets you up for a right fall, doesn't it? As soon as the game begins, you get this laughable Spectrum AR UI, a crap road and a shit sprite. You're like, oh, all that brouhaha for that. For that, yes. And yeah, you zoom in left to right, on a road to nowhere, I zoomed across and got targeted and blown up. So I then, so to avoid that, you just move a little. Um, yeah. And then I just really didn't have to do anything. I just drove. I didn't really, not, there wasn't much to avoid because nothing really got in my way. So I just drove around and it was dull and really unexciting. Um, it's not very good. Um, I went to the upgrade screens at one point thinking I'll upgrade my vehicle. Couldn't get off the screen. No idea how you do that. So I was stuck there forever. Oh, it, t- it took me for ages. There's a little, I, there's a little, line in the bottom left hand corner you exactly. have to go on that stupid bad layout so, very bad so layout just just naff really naff and um, for full price get lost get lost the only thing good about that is the music the rest of it is crap 52% nah come on you know you're taking the mickey now yeah maybe maybe 12% but nowhere near 52 so no rubbish yeah rubbish it's really bad really bad <laughs> fury just such a that manual just it's ridiculous crazy for what this game is it's it is, but they're trying to strip, make it feel like it's more value for money aren't they yeah true i suppose true but there you go the fury no bad game bad bad thing let's no. move on and graham it's time for you to go th- i don't know uh be a Psycho Pigs UXB. Ah, oh, the game with the most controversial advert, wasn't it? It was not um, good. No, and looking back, it's and even now I played the game, utterly, utterly, utterly facile as well. You know, teenage fap material for no reason. It's nothing to do with this game. It was literally just to make a name for itself and be controversial. Mm-hmm. US Gold published this. Copyright is Jellico, whatever that is. Coded by Michael Ager. Graphics are Wayne Blake. Musician here is Tim and Jeff Follin. Or musicians, should I say? Mm. Um, so, bit of an odd sort of uh, a, a game, really. This, um, I'll give you a little bit of the scenario. I'm not going to go all the way through it, but it says, um, finish your smoky bacon crisps and get your teeth into this meaty pork pie of a game from Jellico. 
I don't like mixed metaphors like that. Meaty pork pie of a game. When the referee's whistle blows, it's trotters to the ground in the intergalactic pigsty as you take on a group of pigs all wishing to avoid this Sunday Sunday's dinner table. Pick up bombs and then throw them at your opponents before they make sausage meat of you. Put your back into it. No time for irrational. That's irrational. <laughs> Thinking as you gammon to the field to keep fit and lean. <laughs> Streaky movements will keep you off your... <laughs> keep you off the scratching listings and save your bacon. The, 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 the bacon puns are coming thick. The pig puns are thick and fast here. <laughs> the game is not tripe, but brilliantly imaginative and addictive. When the whistle blows, it's a free for all as you throw bombs at your opponents before they can throw them back at you. The bombs will bounce off the side, so watch out for the rebound. Once a bomb has been thrown, it will count down to zero and explode. Some bombs count down without being thrown. After certain levels, you will be rewarded a bonus round. In this case, you must attempt to kiss the lady pigs as they pop up and down. That's the game. That's it. Mm-hmm. So the game, this the this stupid game. So the game plays out in a really weird way. Actually, on the one hand, it's it's not a bad idea. The the principal idea of this game isn't bad. So you run around, you pick up bombs, and you chuck them at your opponents before they can do the same to you. That isn't in of itself a bad idea as a concept. That mm-hmm. so there's a seed there of a good idea. That kind of thing's got legs. The rough thing here is the implementation is really shonky it's just shonkily done it, in fact it feels almost sort of borderline sort of it just feels like it It didn't like it lacked all the finish that a game like that would have required a simple idea is fine and even sort of in an arcade type idea that those kind of ideas early arcade ideas are very simple you just need to make sure that the game if it's simple then has got enough around it to keep it compelling and keep it interesting so controlling the pig um, feels sluggish because you obviously have a pig, and this, this is actually a game on a bland background. So when the game starts, you know you're on a. I think it's. Um, I think I'm, I've got it written down somewhere, but you're on a sort of a, a really dull background. We'll come to that anyway. So um, the idea of the game then is you control your pig, you pick up bombs, and you throw them at the other pigs that are running around and trying to do the same to you. You got to try and clear the screen of pigs essentially, and when you do that, you get bonus points. Blah blah blah, and then it's. You know, on to the next one until you get to the bonus round where you have to kiss pigs. That's essentially the game. Mm-hmm. Not what you call classically exciting, that, is it, really? Um, so, oh, I don't know. There's bonus things you can pick up as well. Um, there's just there's parts of it I like. The, the, the production at the start of this game is quite nice. So you've got this nice sort of uh, Psycho Pigs writing with these nice graphic effects on it. You've got a nice tight face. That, that, that bit of it's fine. Uh, it's when you get into the game, you're just presented with this kind of Live, the, the UI at the top is kind of gives you the lives information and some of the bits and bobs, the timer, that kind of thing. And it's right at the top. And the main window of the game is the way you the play area. But it has this weird sort of hessiany blue-gray background, mm. sort of a stippled effect. And everything plays out on top of that. Now, there's a lot moving around on the screen. Um, and you control your pig and you can run around. Bombs appear. You, you can pick them up, throw them. Um, some of them are counting down. Um, and if you pick them up, you can sort of, you know, you get the idea that you, you just position these bombs. You can hit them sometimes with the bombs instantly, they'll blow up. Other times you can pick them up and throw them and the countdown will begin or it will start or stop. And it's just meant to be this kind of funny run around, pick up the bombs. Oh, it's all kind of manic. And it's a two player option for the game as well. So two players can play it and run around. Oh, look at that. Pick up the bombs, do all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. My problem was that picking up the bombs and throwing them in this, it lacked the dynamism or excitement that something like that should have. So it doesn't feel, the explosions don't feel very explosive. And it all lacks the finish that the game like this needed. It's the little, in a game like this, with a simple idea, it's the little things that make a difference. The graphics all feel really blocky with no real care and attention. They kind of look piggish, I suppose, and they function that way. But they're not cute and they're not funny. And those are the things you need in a game that's got a straightforward, simple idea. You need them to be a bit better. Now, 
you could have you could have afforded to have less on the screen, but to spend a bit more time having some really funny little animations. That frog game that we played, Slimy's Mind managed it perfectly well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So so you can have little mini characters doing stuff. And this isn't that dissimilar to Slimy's Mind in some ways, in the way that you're kind of running around the screen. Um, and now there is a lot going on on the screen. I'll grant you, there's a lot of bombs. There must be sort of 20 you know, bombs. And I think they're done with characters, I guess, or something like that. And then you've got the pig sprites running around. And there's quite a few of them. So there's a lot of movement going on on the screen. Um, but you lack menace in this. They don't, they just run around. They don't really feel like they've got anything in the way of AI or any intelligence. They're just running around, picking mm. stuff up. They don't really feel like they're targeting you. I mean, I managed to clear a whole bunch of levels of this without really trying. It wasn't really that hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just picking up those bombs and throwing them, it felt lustre. It, it, none of it adds into something that really made it feel tangible. The main game window, as I've said, is, is most of the screen, save for that UI, but it's boring. The, there's no real backgrounds as such. It's just that horrible hash and blue and white. And there's loads of bombs on the screen, but they don't really move and bounce around in a way you want them to. They just kind of fly off and it just it just lacks the little animations, the little details that really this game sorely needed with no smooth scrolling because even when you're running your sprites, sprites around, they run, they move quite quickly, but the, the animation isn't, I would say, smooth on the screen. They're kind of, they're not, it's not jerky, but it's not, it's not fluid. And a game like this would have really benefited from having a really nice fluid system. It just, it lacks polish. There's plenty of jovial stuff in there. The music seems out of place, but the music is at least carries it, kind of carries it a little bit because the music kind of keeps the pace to the game. So that does kind of work. And it's an attempt at sort of trying to convey the kind of mayhem of the whole thing. But the game's just, the visuals just don't meet up to anything. Um, and it all plays out in the end. It's actually samey and, and not very exciting. The bonus levels, again, just a featureless, funless and place where you're sort of running around with things popping up. It's like a whack-a-mole type thing boring graphics not very exciting silly sexualized advert that has no place in anywhere what a bland repetitive misfire this was now i could just imagine that if you if you take this game idea out and you place this on a on a more on a more simplified environment like an arcade i can imagine sega producing a version of this in an arcade a bit like pengo pengo is a very simple idea crush crumble Ice blocks sliding around. You play a penguin and you're being chased by snow bees. There's no difficult logic to that, but it has character. It has the little characters in it. There's fun about that. This is missing all that. And what you end up with is just, it's just a, a pigsty, a pig's mess. It's a pig's ear of a game. It's not very good. <laughs> so uh, I thought I didn't, it didn't deserve 60% this. The music's not bad, but it didn't. It's it's expensive and not really that engaging. So I'd have put this down in the 30s to 40% for me at that price. What did you think? Yeah, this actually is an arcade game. This well, is an arcade right, conver- like one. Yeah, this is an arcade conversion. Jaleco Jale- are a, they're in, sort of one of the sort of smaller um, sort of arcade creators. This was yeah, I, just, I didn't orig- look into that. Originally, this came out in Japan only. It was called Butasan or something, I think. Um, and those Hessian backgrounds, they're in the arcade. This looks very similar to the arcade, ah, so right. that's why it looks like what it is because they've made it look like the arcade. And to be fair, looking at the arcade screenshots and the C sixty four ones. They're not that far off. They're blocky. They're blockier versions, but it's not that. It's not actually that far off. If you look on Moby Games, you can you can see them. Um, but it, it, yeah, I, I think your your criticisms are correct. I mean, the problems lie in in the you know the parent game. It is what it is. It's a free for all bomberman type thing, and it kind of loses something in not having um, 
the uh you know the, the walls and the constrictions and the maze type layout of bomberman where you kind of you can lay traps and stuff like this this is just a crazy free-for-all thing and it, i'm not really sure it fully it really works and but you know the problems probably lie in the arcade version then they converted and what they converted probably you know is is probably close to what the arcade version was so i don't know you're kind of stuck with the you know the source material of what you're doing i thought the, the visuals and music were, they were okay they, they, i didn't mind them um I, I, it's a weird thing though um um, there's like this weird thing about pigs being used as substitute in like games that are similar, like Hogs of War. That springs to mind, which was a 3D version of Worms for the PlayStation. Seems you're gonna do something with a thing. You got to put pigs in it. Um, I'm not. It's not worth a tenner. But again, again, it's a tenner because it's an arcade conversion. We've we've seen this time and time again that they've got to pay for the license so that, that you know these weird games get um, get converted. Um, and I'm not even sure the arcade game came out in the West. I think it was maybe just a Japanese only thing. Um, but yeah, it doesn't look like it. It, was, it says it's also known as Mister Pig and Pig and the Bombers. Yeah, I've it'll... never seen that arcade anywhere, and not even on the arcade um, emulators. Have I not seen that? No, I haven't either. So I was I was unaware. Of this Still. only when I sort of was playing it, and I had a look around that I see it was Switch. an arcade game. A bit on the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, you probably. Yeah, I mean, most of them have had a conversion to that in some form or other. But I, yeah, I think this this the problem with this is that it's it's not. You know, it may be in the arcade. It's a bit of fun because it'll probably have better sounds and better graphics and better that sort of carry it a bit further. Here on the C sixty four again, when you sort of strip it down a bit, it, it, there's a lot going on on screen, but it's just it's sort of empty chaos. Um, and I think that's you know, and like that that bonus round thing where you're just running around trying to kiss the sows. It's just weird. It's very it's a very Japanese type thing from that period of time. So I don't know. I didn't. I didn't I, I, I didn't particularly enjoy my time with it. It was just something that was kind of weird and a bit odd, and I don't know how it sort of got led to that um, advert that they used. I just don't don't understand it. Or even the cover for the game, which has this really angry pig on it. It's like weird. Um, they seem to have missed the fact that this is supposed to be like some, some cutesy-cutesy type thing once again. And then, yeah, it's a very odd thing. But I never played it back then, and uh, you know, I've never played the arcade. I've never seen it, but why would I if it never came out anywhere but Japan? So uh, there you go. You're... You're a you're a pig and then a pig in a dinosaur suit in the arcade. Is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, weird. I don't know. I'm just looking at some screenshots. Very, very strange. Odd. Yeah. Very, very weird. Strange. There we go. Anyway, that was it. That's Psycho Pigs UXB. A weird arcade conversion. That is what it is. Let's move on. We've got another couple of games. All about balls. Our next one is Hot Shot. Full price. This one. We're still in the ten pound territory. This is from Addictive Games. It's Hot Shot, £10. This was converted to the C64 by Prism Leisure, um, who also did some other game called Metaplex, which I've never heard of. Never heard of that, Metaplex. I think it's clear that no one had any idea what to do with this when you read the back of the box, and I quote, Hot Shot, a futuristic arcade game mixing the excitement of the days of the arena where gladiators fought for their lives with the electronic wizardry of pinball. A. Eh? What? what? Hot shot. A game on five levels. Each a game in itself. Achieve peak performance at one level before graduating to the next. Hot shot. Where you must win just to survive. Hot shot. <laughs> you need to be a crack shot. An ace. A pinball wizard. Are you in the league to play hot shot? Hot shot. Oh, for one sake. or two challenges. Challenges. <laughs> Gladiatorial pinball. Not good. What? Okay. It could be good. Nobody I guess. ever wanted that. Nobody. It might combine these two things to make a great game. Who knows? Let's have a look. When the game loads, someone has done that thing again where they made the C64 look like a Spectrum. You know, they've done that thing, what they keep doing, uh, for reasons yeah. we don't understand, we don't like. 
The odd thing is that along the bottom of the Spectrum style screen, it says a Maxwell Technology production. <laughs> what? I can't, didn't know why. Who knows? I don't know. Anyway, you can play the single player against computer AI or in two-player mode. Pressing fire allows you to enter your name and then it asks for player two, but if you leave this, you don't press fire button, then the computer enters their name as killer um, and you are both assigned, assigned a random character from one of the five that are available um, to play as. It doesn't matter which one you get. They all play the same. Once this is done, the game starts and bloody hell. Is this a sodding spectrum I'm looking at? <laughs> very, very spectrum isn't it? Jesus Christ on a bike. Essentially, this is dual breakout. I guess, where you control a character under... There's loads of breakout games this episode, this, this part. There is. Um, you control a character under a set of bricks, and you have to suck up the ball that is bouncing about and fire it at your bricks or your opponent's bricks to knock them out. I couldn't figure out whether it was your own or your own. You know, you got to get oh points God. for knocking out bricks. I don't know. It's not entirely clear in the instructions what the aim of the game is. You're armed with a graviton gun... And holding fire sucks the ball into it, and you then have three seconds to aim and release the fire button to fire the ball in the direction you know you want it to go. Trying to try destroy some blocks, breakout style. If the ball hits you, then you are vaporized or derezzed for a moment, and the ball is launched back into your opponent's uh, side. There's a timer counting down, and whoever had the most points when this counts down is the winner and gets to go on to the bonus game, even if it is the computer. God's sake, so dumb. <laughs> Why does the computer get to do this? Where's the fun in watching the computer not complete something and then it's game over? Yep. What? what wait. Uh, what, why does someone think that's... Oh, if you lose, you don't get to the bonus stage. There you go. If I had to say what this reminded, m- reminded me of, it's a bit of Denton Design's bounces. Remember that? There's a little I bit do. of that in there. There's a bit of hyperball in the way you've got to get stuff and fire it from side to side. But yeah. also, there's and, and this is only in the look only, in that first stage, it reminded me of that uh, you know buster move in two-player where you're both flinging balls across at each other in the way you've got sort of stacks on either side. It looks yeah. like it kind of calls those to mind. That's just the layout. But it, in no way does it have any of the playability of any of those games. Even Hyperball was better than this. The physics on the ball are otherworldly. I don't know how else to describe them. Because <laughs> they're not like physics I've ever come across. That they're, they're all over the place. Things getting moved. It just This ball doesn't move like it's... Just, you're supposed to be you're sucking it in with your graviton but it's like no what is going on the graphics are all single color and although the characters are quite well animated for what they are they are quite well animated i give them that it just looks ugly and not a game i like to see on the c64 the music on the title screen doesn't loop no it does not so it just stops after it's played like no, you've heard it once uh, that's enough for you <laughs> okay Can't have any, we, we haven't got the code to sort of press the yeah. jump, jump back to the beginning of the code to run it again the noises in the game are perfunctory this is bland and boring thing with very little to recommend it it's not worth 10 pound of anyone's money at any time in their life and whilst this uh may run i guess you know it functions as it was intended to it's a very poor excuse for a full price piece of software this was awful just i don't i don't i don't know what they were thinking or who when the design came in what they were trying to do and then who ported it to the c64 made it spectrum emulator again and just made it it's just rubbish just I, the physics on the ball are crap and it's not clear what you got to do and don't bet me watch your computer do a bonus stage <laughs> so stupid i didn't like this what about you no no i mean uh, the the layout looked familiar it looked initially i thought is it like that game that um 
where you fire the bubbles and you've got them, one person firing them at each side, but like that sort of advanced bubble bubble where you've got the... Yeah, bust the move. Yeah. So initially I thought, oh. Yeah, that's what that I was, thought. That was dashed to pieces in seconds, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah, that was stomped on with a massive boom. Yeah. And then after, obviously, then the, the reality hits. You're like, no, no, it's not that, is it? This is uh, some kind of hoovery dot game. Um, I don't know, horrible sounds, pippy puppy sounds. I don't like, you know, pip, 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 that kind of, I'm like, no. Really naff graphics, high res, but bad high res with terrible, terrible shading. Terrible, terrible shading. Yep. Um, dot physics, physics of the dot. No, uh, doesn't play well. I found myself being constantly zapped by the thing, no matter what I did. Yep. Now, I managed to sort of catch it on the end of my Hoover nozzle thing, whatever the hell that is. Fired upwards, instantly bounced around, and then went round me and hit me on the ankle, and I was dead. I was like, what are you? <laughs> These physics are stupid. Pinball and breakout, as I guess what this is kind of alluding to be, were never meant to blend. Never blend those two things. They're, they're, they're mutually exclusive. Always have been, always will be. No one's ever wanted pin out or break ball. No one's ever wanted that. That's why they don't exist. That's why those things have never happened. Well, if you're going um, to do it, just do it like a normal pinball table where you're flipping it up and the balls... You, you could do it, but... It's just not... Just it doesn't not work. like this. Just, no, one or the other. Just be one or the other. Don't amalgamate things that shouldn't be. <laughs> don't cross your streams. Um, you could do it. I don't know. The music's really like jolty and a bit... Um, well, if you are going to cross the streams, don't do it like this then. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. So, but it's 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 just shocking, this. It's rubbish. Naff look and feel. Doesn't quite come together. It's a specky game at heart anyway. I had no real fun with any of it. I just found myself getting frustrated looking at the other guy, whatever the hell that is, robot thing, the fancy end thing, whatever it was on the side. Yeah. Seemingly been able to move the dot around in better ways than me. Well, like, well, he could, and then even he got killed by it, periodically. I was like, oh, just, just get lost. Hot shot, no thanks. There's, a, there's an easy win with that, and I'm not saying it, but <laughs> just no. Not good. Not good at all. Yeah, it's not a hot shot, is it? What's a hot shot not? Not this. Not a hot shot, yeah. Not a hot not shot, hot. yeah. There we go. Good Lord. This is a bad run, isn't it? Mm. Uh, all right, we've got one left. Hopefully, maybe it will pick up for our last game. Let's move into that. And Graham, you've got it. This is Ricochet. I have to say it loud because yeah, has to you're going to hear this loud game. game. It is loud. This game, eighty-six uh, percent. This guy. It's um, which label? I've written the label down. That's from. It's from. It's Firebird. It's Firebird game. So it's silver, I guess. Silverbird. It's Silver Range. Anyway, Firebird's Silver Range. So it's designed by Gary Lydon. Yeah. And and Gary Penn and Nick Pelling. Yes. Created by Lee Dathwaite, Dathwaite, coded by Gary Lydon, and the graphics are by like Gary Lydon and Gary Penn, and the music is Rob Hubbard. So there's some, uh-huh. you know, some weight behind this. There is. Um, very, very, very straightforward premise, really, isn't there? Use your bat to hit the ball against the mid-space bricks, blow them all up, and go on the next breakup zone. Avoid the naughties along the way. Yeah. Collide with falling sparklers to gain extra weapons, speed-ups, collectives, and many more. Look out for Mr. Ed and the gravy which brings amazing and exciting prizes to those who dare to go for it. This is a game that features um, gravy scores, gravy points, actual gravy points. Finally, <laughs> yeah. finally. Finally, we understand what they were preparing Connell to. Cochran finally got his dream game. <laughs> I was thinking of that other one, Secure Fruit for Gravy uh, Points. Can- oh, that kangaroo game. <laughs> Whatever it was. Um, so it's another breakout game. Now, the thing is with this one is there are things to like about this. I... I've always quite liked Ricochet. It does kind of shout at you when the game starts. I mean, you can't get away from that. This game is loud and in your face, 
but it's got a nice production to it all said and done and um, there's lots of you know fancy fancy samples going off so it's ding 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 and you're getting all the you know kind of weird sounds it's all very tongue-in-cheek this um but it is actually once you get past that and you've you know got something to put in your ears temporarily it's actually a very, very, very playable game. The one the gripe I have with this game is right from the outset is your bat is just a little bit too small. It's a yes, little very bit much too so. small. But just to be in a you know a few pixels longer would have been you know perfect. But anyway, gripe. Um, so it's a breakout game, and the idea is you go through screen to screen breaking out. Now it's not in the sense that you have got a wall to get through because like with the other games, some of the breakout screens have got different kind of bricks, different kind of patterns to them. And um, they come to our shapes and things like that. There's things to collect in amongst that. So you've got to try and bat. Now, it's actually quite hard, this game as well, because your bat is a little bit small. The ball moves quite quickly. The boot, the ball movement and all the production of the game is pretty good. It's very slick. And so um, you can be, find yourself very quickly burning through your lives in this because sometimes the ball just seems to come back at you really fast and, and it's quite hard to get to it. But that said, you can get extra weapons. And when you do, you can shoot bricks out and you can do things like that. And of course, you can collect the gravy points for the gravy bonus, which is letters. It works in the same way as a lot of those other games. You shoot the bricks and then things come tumbling down. For some reason, they always seem to come tumbling down just as the ball's coming down the other side of the thing. It's like a curse with me when I play these games. So no matter what, if I want a bonus, it's always the other side of the screen and the ball's always coming down towards the opposite side. So I can never quite get to them all the time. So I'm like, oh, it drives you mad. But it is a nicely put together game, this. Playable, even with a small bat. Feels slick. Quite different enough to be interesting. It's a variation of a theme with this, but it isn't straight and out a ripoff of Arkanoid or anything like that. It is a, you know, it is that kind of game, but it isn't a straight sort of, you know, shot for shot remake. It has got a little bit of roundedness to it. There's a little bit more, and each of the levels has got their own name and it's kind of quirky. It all felt a little bit in jokey, some of the humor in it. So I think that, you know, it's these quirky character names and these things that appear in it. And it's all probably, you know, they're all sat there chuckling to themselves at the, the ingenuity of all over humor that's buried into the game, but it's lost on anybody later down the line. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that said, if you buy into the whole not taking it too seriously, it is only a budget breakout game after all. I didn't come across any bugs. It ran really fast. It's tough, but there's loads of levels, as far as I'm aware, loads of them to play at. And um, so for two quid, you could have a bit of fun. It's not quite as garish and as mind boggling with your eyes as the previous breakout game, the, uh, the ball blaster. So it is a bit easier on your eye, if nothing is, else. Yeah. Maybe, but it's probably a little harsher on your ear. So, yeah. um, but other than that, a game with actual grade points, I didn't think it was bad. It got eighty six percent. It's about right for something like that for two quid. So it was all right. I quite enjoyed playing it for what it was. I didn't take anything too seriously. What can you take from it? It's a breakout game. Another one. Yeah. Um, it's all right. There's some issues with this. So it's a noisy game from the ex zappers, isn't it? Very noisy. But yeah, then what you like get is a rather that. basic breakout clone with some stuff we saw in Arkanoid and some interstitial screens. I don't know. Um, yeah, gravy bits are okay. But my main issue with this, it doesn't recognize where the ball hits the bat. So you can't aim it. So you can't knock it back. It just goes in the diet. It just goes in the, it goes where it's going to go in that angle. You can't do anything about that. And that fundamentally breaks breakout. I don't know. My foot felt like I was in control of it. No, I was hitting it to the, you know, it would come and I would hit it on the far left and well, it would just go to the right. That's you playing it. You're cack-handed. You just, <laughs> you just couldn't play it. The only way I could figure out to do it, you had to be sort of moving to hit it. It was weird. It wasn't doing what it was supposed to be doing. I mean, Thingy did it. Ball blasted it. I had no problem aiming it in that. But this, no, no, just, it made it, like you just said. It did, it, it did feel like the levels went on for maybe too long, which maybe that's why. Yeah, but. it made collecting the drop-downs for the power-ups a lot harder because you couldn't, 
like knock it at an angle to get some create yourself some more time to go get yeah, something. I, 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 I never I, put I, it down for that. I just you know hit it. I just I didn't like the way it controlled. I thought it, it just wasn't there. I, I don't know. I, I wasn't particularly enamored with this. Yeah, it's two quid. Yeah, it's got loads of crazy samples in. I thought this was a rather flat breakout variant with stuff we've seen done better into other takes. Give me Arkanoid. Give I'd even play the other one even if it did my eyes in. But there's better it's better ones. Two quid. It's two quid, but it's it's not a very good breakout variant because I don't think it, it doesn't do the thing that breakout supposed to do you can't control where the ball goes at this point two quid breakout games what what, what are you going to get for your two quid you're not going to get arcanoid so but i don't think they be, should be getting 86 percent. not even close that's four percent of a sizzler yeah that's fine i think for what yeah, it is i think this is i think this is pat on the old zap people's backs personally oh, i don't know nick pelly's nothing to do with zap yeah but it's got Lydon and Lydon and pen involved hmm, so yeah yeah take your t- you got your tinfoil hat on again i know i have it's I'm two right quid so there are better two quid games. I go back to what John Hare said. It's two quid. So you get you get two quids worth of game. And for two quid, it's all right. And it's cheaper than Ball Blaster as well. So I, I, would, I think if I'd have been seen it on the shelf, because it's got rubber but soundtrack, it would have swung it for me okay. if I was buying it. I never bought either of them, so I probably owe somebody two quid somewhere. You probably do. I think we owe a lot of people a lot of money, but here you go. That's it. That's it. What a not a great list of uh, Summer Olympiad was all right. It's a dull list of games, half of which I'd never heard of, or a significant proportion of them. Yeah. And some of them are just out and out rubbish. Fury, rubbish. Hotshot, rubbish. Psycho Pigs, Stuntbike Simulator, average. They're all just, no, just stop putting simulator on the end of things and saying it's anything. Mm-hmm. Scuba Kids was okay. Summer Olympiad was, oh, yeah. was pretty good. Just a bit bland. I mean, three breakout variants. Well, yeah, just put new creative games. These are just what we're doing here. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's October done. Let's have a look. So we see what's going on in the charts? Yeah, I think we probably should. All right. In at number 10, this is going to Commodore User. In at number 10, up from 14, is Stunt Bike Simulator. Oh, God. Mm, what a load of crap. Down to number nine is Airwolf. Uh, and number eight is Rally Driver. Don't mm. remember that one. Frank Bruno's Boxing's at number seven. European Five Asides at number six. Battleships is at number five. Encore there. New in at number four is Hawkeye. New in at number three is Salamander. And new in at number two is Tracksuit Manager. But staying at number one is Football Manager 2. Battle of the uh, Battle of the Football Managers there at the top. It says, yeah. It shows, what, it shows what the UK likes, doesn't it? I'm afraid this chart does, and it's not. It's very revealing. Yeah, it is. For the rest of the chart, and it, uh, at number 11 is Ace. Number 12 is Road Blasters. Steve Davis Snooker finally dropping down to number 13. Rocky Horror Show at number 14. Ninja Scooter Simulator at 15. Aye. Yogi Bear at 16. We Are the Champions, which I think is a compilation at 17. Samantha Fox mm. Strip Poker at down to number 18. Ghostbusters at 19. And The Empire Strikes Back, a new entry at number 20. So, Ghostbusters has been in the chat. It must have been in there for months now. Now. Yeah, Mastertronic one. Isn't it? I mean, it was, people really like that game, don't I mean, they? Yeah, it is good, but I mean, for months it's been in the chart. I mean, it's, it's, what's shocking is that that's in the chart, which means there hasn't been a lot of new stuff coming in. There's not many new games in that list. No, there are one, two, three, four, five, six. Shocking. Tracksuit Manager, Salamander, Hawkeye, Road Blasters, Ninja Scooter Simulator, and We Are the Champions is a, well, a compilation, but Empire Strikes Back. Mm. There we go. What have we got next? Month, November. Now, there's a lot of games reviewed in Zap next month, but most of them are for the Amiga. Yeah. And we've got a lot of um, sort of reissues of stuff. So I'm just going to try and work my way through these. Uh, there is So the first one is Barbarian. That is the new different Barbarian. Yeah. So there's that one. 
battle stations. I don't think we've Armalite, looked at that. you've missed uh, Armalite there. Oh, sorry, Armalite. Yes, Armalite. Uh, we've got Armalite. It's the big one. That's the gold medal. Barbarian, battle stations. Mm. Uh, we've looked at Cybernoid 2. Okay. Emily Hughes' International Soccer. Mm. <laughs> 4x4 Off-Road Racing. Oh, dear. Fox Fights Back. Okay. Intensity. I don't recognize that. Is that sort of... Ring a bell. a bell. Mission Genocide. The Krakow, is that another one? Is that we've seen the Krakow? Krakow, yeah, that's the side on Gremlin Breakout one. Yeah, yeah, is that? I thought we'd seen uh, that's what I'm saying, trying to remember what we've looked at already. Uh, Mission Genocide, I don't recognise that. No, There's the Pink that. Panther game. Okay. Uh, Red Storm Rising. Okay. Sinbad and the Throne of the Falcon. Oh, all right, okay. Uh, Soldier of Fortune. Right. Street Sports Soccer. The Epics one. Yeah, we haven't looked at that one, have we? We've looked at baseball and... Just baseball. Just a baseball one, isn't it? We've looked at. Yeah. Super Cup Football. Loads of footy okay. games. Our city we've looked at vector ball okay uh, and that's it i think and look whirly gigs out in the amiga whirly gigs out in the amiga yeah world games to be released virus i think it's a two-part it's another two-part for next month yeah it looks like it what a bargain that is at budget price world games yeah yeah if that's been re-released there's some good i mean ace of aces is there at budget crazy um what else i think there's some bubble bobble jeez yeah there's some really you know really nice budget budget stuff gauntlet i suppose you know, crack out, Metro Cross, World Games, Tau Seti. You're in cheap heaven, aren't you, at this point for uh, budget yeah. re-releases? This is when it really starts to pick up. Uh, yeah, so that's what we've got coming up next week. Next, in the next couple of weeks, it's a two-part of November because obviously, and and I think uh, I know there's four parts for December, but I think as we get into 1989, the games start to drop off. Yeah, it's going to be a thinning out. There really is, which is probably good because my hair's thinning out. Having, to play, having to play some of these. I don't know, I'm quite looking forward to Armalite. I don't really remember much of Armalite. Yeah, it's very good. It's oh, yeah. very good. I am looking forward to playing that one and not sure about anything else. Fox Fights Back. Sounds interesting. Could be good. I seem to remember that Barbarian one. Someone warned us about that, that it's another icon-controlled movement one. No, they did warn us about that, didn't they? Yeah, just so a flashback. I'm, I'm not I'm not particularly looking forward to that, I have to say. So, But we, we, we will see. We will see what goes on. We will see. Oh, there we go. That's October done. Seems to have flown by. They go fly by so fast when you just do a two-parter. It does seem to go by quick when we brace through them. But then again... There's been so much crap. It's like I feel doomed with some of these. I'm like, oh, they're just heavy on your brain. <laughs> Thoughts are doomed. Mm. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, that's it. So we're going to go. Uh, if you wish to support us, you can do. You've got a Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash zap to the past. If you wish to join up to that, please do. It's uh, four pounds. It's about fiver or whatever it is. Just It's under a fiver, so five pound and then that means you get access to our discord you get the uh, episodes early without adverts you get them you can ask us questions for our ask the podcast and when we do anything special like we did for episode 100 you'll be involved in that things like that and there's other bits maybe i can't remember and maybe anything exclusive we shove out you could do that i think we've got a kofi as well which kofi just look for zap to the past on there and if you wish to sort of donate anything on there that's cool too if not rate and review us whatever whatever it is you know shove us a review somewhere be nice or be don't it's up to you but just you know be nice to sort of get what people think or just follow us on twitter and things like that it's all good it's all good um i think on that note i think we're gonna i think i'm gonna go i think we're time yeah. to finish so as ever i have been adrian mills and i have been graham ruddings uh, and you have been listening to zap to the past and we will see you again next week so goodbye and have a nice week Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. 
We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you, they can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at Zaptuther, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Raddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.